Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a, another interesting debate coming at you live today, modern-day debate. Thanks for stopping by. Please hit that thumbs-up button if you like these types of debates. That'll let us know that you want to see more on evolution versus creationism. All right. First, I'm going to start off by saying thanks for everybody for being here, and we want to make sure that everybody feels welcome, that this is a community that we can all come to that's um, nonpartisan, and so just try and keep it friendly in the live chat as much as possible. Wink, wink, right? Um, So... Today we're going to be talking about universal common ancestry. So uh, Jackson is going to take the position that uh, universal common ancestry is a fact, and Smokey's going to be um, arguing against that. So since he'll be taking the affirmative, we're going to go with Jackson to open it up. I want to thank both of the speakers for spending their time here with us tonight. Uh, again, if you if this is your first time here. Uh, we want you to feel welcome. Please hit that subscribe button because we have lots of other discussions coming up that are going to be really cool. Like we have a lot of cool stuff planned. So um, with that, let's get started. Um, let us know in the live chat how the audio is and if we can change anything. Um, yeah, and with that, Jackson, you want to go ahead and start off? All right, and I need to uh, screen share. All right, um, let's see. Can you see it? Um, You are good to go. All right, then I'll start. Okay. Hello, everyone, and thank you for having me on. The topic of this debate is universal common ancestry. Last week, I debated this topic with Kevin Anderson from Answers in Genesis, and for a debate that was supposed to be about universal common ancestry, surprisingly little of our discussion was actually about universal common ancestry. Regardless, the arguments I'll present here are similar because the evidence is still there and still needs to be discussed. And again, just like last week, abiogenesis is irrelevant because the last universal common ancestor lived millions of years after, Philosophy is also relevant because we're talking about genetics and morphology here. The first argument concerns the fact that taxonomic ranks are arbitrary. Uh, Creationists reify taxonomic categories like the family because they have arbitrarily decided that a kind is about the same level, but this is meaningless. Families can vary in size from containing one species, Trichoplax adherens is the sole member of the entire phylum Placozoa, to containing tens of thousands of species, such as the rove beetle family Staphylinidae. From here, I'll take a slightly different approach than I did previously. Does natural common descent happen? Yes, and this is easily demonstrable. Mutations occur in populations. Every human has over 100 novel mutations by the time they're a zygote. These mutations can be spread by various means, natural and sexual selection, genetic drift, and gene flow. Experiments over the years have shown that mutations can appear in a population and then be driven to fixation. The Richard Linsky E. coli experiment detailed a bacterial lineage 
in which a promoter region was duplicated and transposed to a different gene. Thus, not only did it generate a novel phenotype, the metabolism of citrate under aerobic conditions, it also generated a novel regulatory module in the genome, so no genetic information was lost. If anything, genetic information was gained. Although creationists are very reluctant to define new information in a way that can be quantified, but when you give examples like this, it'll very quickly say why it doesn't count. From what I've heard from other creationists, it seems they won't accept anything as new information unless a gene popped out of literally nothing. Of course, evolution from common descent doesn't propose that genes appeared ex nihilo. That's creationism. Darwin's famed example of natural selection concerned the distribution of finches across the Galapagos Islands and their beak sizes that correlated with their food source. For example, Geospeza magnorostris has a large, thick beak for cracking tough nuts and seeds, whereas G. conorostris has a thin, conical beak for piercing cacti. That these finches are related by natural common descent from mainland ones is even accepted by leading creationist apologists, including Ken Ham's Ark Encounter. Another example, the water strider genus Ragavalia experienced a duplication of the gene mother of Gisha, resulting in the gene Gisha that causes the formation of novel propeller fans on the insect's legs. Unlike other closely related members of the same family, su such as Stradulavalia, Ragavalia can move on fast moving water thanks to these propeller fans. And researchers showed that the fans still provided a movement boost even when reduced, indicating that the fans were adaptively beneficial at all stages of their evolution. Next, the crawfish Procambarus phallax underwent a whole genome duplication event in the 1990s, resulting in the new marbled crawfish Procambarus virginalis. Though P. virginalis is now totally asexual, males of P. phallax still attempt to mate with the other species with no success. Per the general biological species concept, speciation has occurred. In essence, we have witnessed every stage of natural evolution on local scales, mutation, selection, and speciation. That's the whole game as far as the theoretical underpinnings of natural evolution are concerned. So the question is this, do we have reason to believe these mechanisms unite all life on Earth? I would argue yes. I chose hummingbird as my start last time, which was never refuted, but I'll choose a different starting point here. How about horses? The modern domesticated horse, Equus Equus, has a single toe that composes its hoof. The Miocene Merichippus, however, has one large toe with two highly reduced dangling toes flanking it. The Oligocene Mesohippus has three toes on the front and back feet. The Eocene Epihippus has four toes on the front feet and three toes on, on the back. And the early Eocene Hierarchitherium has four toes on the front and back feet. Now, either this is a naturally evolving lineage in which the toes gradually reduced over time, or the allegedly intelligent designer created successive groups of horses. It should be noted that even why ACs like Todd Wood and Kurt Wise accept this entire sequence, and the Ark Encounter shows the transitional genus Dinohippus, as the representative of the horse kind in their display. So if any creationist still tries to reject the horse sequence, they're doing so in defiance of their own side's current argument. Once you get to the base of Perissodactyla, though, things become difficult for any creationist attempting to draw arbitrary lines. The earliest horses, rhinos and tapers, are nearly identical, being differentiated by little more than the shape of their teeth. Why should all members of Equidae be unrelated to rhinos and tapers when their ancestors share such obvious similarities? Moving outward, the primitive phenacodontids are the closest relatives of perissodactyls with the same ankle configuration, but ha having a long, heavy tail like earlier mammals. You can see there's a problem for creationism here, which so far they have resolved by ignoring it. The more taxa are included, the worse things get for creationist line drawing. A sister to perissodactyla is artiodactyla, the even-hoof mammals, and together they form euangulata. Artiodactyls are united by genetics, like perissodactyls, 
as well as morphological characters such as their unique astragalus ankle bone, which is also present in the earliest whale ancestors. Early representatives of the hoof mammals have been identified in the fossil record, such as the omnivorous Criacus, who possess the unique inner ear characteristics of ungulates. And genetics shows that ungulates are the sister group of ferae, including carnivorans, the dogs, cats, bears, and seals, as well as pangolins, forming the clade ferae ungulata. This clade is sister to bats, and all the aforementioned clades are sister to Eulipatyphla, containing shrews, moles, and hedgehogs. And all mammals, sorry, and all animals with hair, lactal mammaries, and three middle ear bones are more closely related to each other than to anything else. You can go through the same process for all of life until everything is connected. If they were created separately, then there should be some easy divide between the created groups, ones which creationists would be most anxious to show. However, there is none. And whenever creationists do try to include more of the data, as with the horses, all they do is confirm the very common descent they were hoping to deny. There is no universal genetic or morphological character that delineates species, genera, families, etc., only a spectrum of overlapping features. This is the rule, not the exception. We can look at any phylogeny and attempt to draw lines of separation, but this is totally arbitrary. Even creationists don't only use the family level, as exemplified by Gene Leitner's Mammalian Archkinds paper. They can go up to the order level, as in Scandentia, or down to the subfamily level, as in Bovinae, Caprinae, and Antilopinae, or even a single species, as in Thylacinus cynocephalus. This shouldn't be the case if the kinds were created separately. Kinds should be easy to delineate and shouldn't all fall into a nested hierarchy of characters. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for that. We're going to kick it over to Smokey Saint. You ready? Uh, yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Here you fine. You need a okay. – uh, do you need a screen share or anything? Uh, no. Just uh, – no, I have something I just prepared here. All right. Awesome. Yeah, that's fine. No problem. Yeah, I, I I think it kind of aligns what I was thinking it was going to go anyway. And thank you, Jackson. Appreciate it. I'm glad we were kind of on the same page for the topic of the debate. So we were, you know, debating the right thing. So that's awesome. So very cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, sincerest thanks to my opponent. Uh, thanks, Jackson. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Converse contender. Thanks for filling in, being here as well. And, of course, thanks to the whole modern-day debate community. Love all you guys. Um, I am certainly happy to be here to exchange our ideas and perspectives on this topic. And I do hope and pray it is profitable for all. Uh, to try and break this down to its lowest common denominator, we have before us a competition of worldviews, each vying to promote itself as the most reasonable explanation to the nature of our universe and the origin of life. Each model claims to hold the higher ground for logically sound dissection of the nature of reality, yet which is genuinely the most logical, plausible, and probable? The nature of our universe is clear to us in the way that we perceive the uniformity of natural laws. Considering these natural laws should always be included in our consideration of scientific observations and the philosophical hypotheses that flow from them. The second law of thermodynamics tells us that everything that we see in the universe goes from a state of minimum entropy to a state of maximum entropy. Everything in our universe winds down, and this is scientifically predicted with the inevitable heat death of our known universe. This carries into the very information that codes our genes with genetic entropy. As information is copied over time, the information will degrade over time. We commonly recognize this degradation in information as mutations, and this is claimed to be the primary mechanism that powers naturalistic evo evolution. Yet, the claim seems contradictory on its face, and perhaps my opponent can help reconcile this for us. 
naturalistic evolution theory tells us that a degradation of information over time or mutations will manage to increase functionality instead of decrease it. When scientific observation tells us that the vast majority of mutations are detrimental or fatal. Additionally, all animals come pre-programmed with error-correcting code to mitigate and minimize the number of mutations, which means the genes themselves are working against the primary driving force of the naturalistic evolutionary paradigm and seem to very rarely cooperate with anything actually beneficial. Additionally, we know that genomes that get watered down too far with too many mutations or too much speciation will more likely go into a genomic meltdown rather than evolve new gene information to avoid such extinction events. We even see this present day with the selective breeding of certain dogs, which inevitably leads to watered down genomes with far less informational integrity than its ancestor and will generally be prone to a slew of health defects and the likelihood of extinction not evolutionary survival by adding only more errors on top of the errors passed down from the parents. The naturalistic component that has been forced into the scientific realm actually flies in the face of scientific observation, in my opinion. This does not read to me as science, as so many claim it to be, but a wide body of scientific observations mixed with unjustified religious conjecture that runs contrary to reasonable, logical conclusions. Perhaps my opponent can shed light on this for me tonight, how we are supposed to assume error on top of error equals improvement when we have observable, observable normative examples to the contrary. It is the equal misfortune to both worldviews that we are not able to look at the actual genomes of ancient and extinct species so that more refined hypotheses could be constructed and considered, but we are stuck with only being able to discern ancient speciation through the observation of the morphology of the organism. Essentially, we have dug up a bunch of dead animals, compared their features, and composed a phylogenic tree tracing back to common ancestry. This actually requires two primary assumptions that I notice. Number one, all life is common ancestry and did not emerge independently, and number two, common features more likely point to common ancestry. Yet, we have examples of nature that seem to invalidate both of these assumptions that are at the core of the naturalistic evolutionary model. There are many biological examples that completely defy the assumption of common ancestry being normative enough to rely upon for sound hypothesis. One example is the squid and the octopus. Studying the genomes of these animals has shown no discernible common ancestry with all of other life on Earth, so much so that some biologists have conjectured that they may have been dropped here by aliens. This is quite a claim that seems bizarre considering that the octopus and the human have nearly identical visual hardware. This would mean, according to the evolutionary model, the hypercomplex and specific eyeball, eyeball that we both share managed to independently evolve with near identical function and structure in two different species with no phylogenic relationship. Biologists have long considered the nightmare of trying to understand how our irreducibly complex visual organ could have evolved, but now it needs to have done it at least twice independently in these two species. A second prime example to defeat these naturalistic core assumptions is the evolutionary pathway of the ratites, or flightless birds. A long-standing assumption in the evolutionary paradigm was that all the flightless birds, such as ostriches, emus, kiwis, rheas, and uh, cassowaries, as well as the extinct moas and elephant birds, all descended from a common flightless bird animal 
ancestor. This was assumed based upon the standard model of classification through morphological traits in the species, which is exactly how we discern the ancestry of fossilized specimens. Yes, th yet this was actually proven false once the genes of these animals were finally analyzed. Apparently, all of these birds that were assumed to have descended from a single flightless common ancestor actually came from three different and independent lineages. One lineage for ostriches, one for emus, and one for kiwis, rayas, and cassowaries. This means that not only did these three independent lineages lose flight, but also developed identical features, such as absence of keels in the breastbones, smaller, simpler, and fewer wing bones, bigger leg bones, and non-aerodynamic feathers. Instances just like this are commonly referred to as evolutionary convergence. Basically, this is the tendency for completely unrelated species to develop near-identical traits or organs with no traceable common ancestry. This is very important because this is not a rare occurrence. And if it is not a rare occurrence, there is no way we should reasonably be relying upon morphology to assume common ancestry or common descent. Evolution is supposed to be utilitarian, keeping what is useful, discarding what isn't. But this is just not what is consistent with observation of nature. The emergence of traits and evolutionary convergence cannot be explained in any naturalistic paradigm and ultimately defeats the core assumption of the model itself. And I yield. All right. Thanks so much for that. We'll just open it up to a open discussion, and then we'll kick it off to a Q&A in about uh, 30 minutes or so, maybe 40 minutes. Um, if you have any questions for the Q&A, they've already started coming in, you can either send a super chat in, which we'll, I'll push to the top of the list, or you can tag me at Converse Contender, and I will add it to the list. Thanks so much. Cool. Okay, I guess I'll kick it off. Um, sure. Since uh, okay, you equated mutations generally with degradation. That's just factually incorrect, and I provided two examples in which that's factually incorrect in my opening statement. Uh, I provided both the example of Ragavalia, the water strider, as well as the example of Procambos uh, virginalis, the crawfish. Uh, both of are um, in uh, in Ragavalia. You have a mutation, which is a duplication event of the gene mother of Geisha, which results in the gene Geisha. And Geisha is responsible for the fans, which are on their, their limbs. That's a mutation. Or it's a set of mutations, a duplication followed by a neo-functionalization of a gene that already existed. But it's, but it's neo-functionalized, so it has a new function. So now it's called Geisha. Geisha is like the, the Japanese fans. Because it now forms these fans, right? I think... You would agree with me in saying, I would assume, um, well, I think that we're, we're, a duplication and neo is not a loss. We right? might be talking over each other a little well, bit. Well, would you say that's a loss? Uh, Please it, clarify. It, it's, a it's a degradation, I would say, still. It's How still is that a, a degradation? How is... Because it's a, it's, a, it's a divergence of the integrity of the original information. It's, it's but we still have the original. Yeah, you the still original. The original still works. We right. now have a new thing. We have a totally new structure built on, because of a gene that previously existed. It got duplicated. It's neo-functionalized, so it's doing something new now. And now this is providing an adaptive advantage to these ragavalia, these water striders. Right. I, I can just say water strider. Uh, these water striders, because now they can inhabit a new environment, which their close relatives, like stradulavalia, right. cannot. So right. this is an adaptive advantage caused by a duplication and a neo-functionalization. How... Okay, well is that a degradation? 
it's well because it's 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 a divergence of the integrity of the functionality of the original information. Here's the problem: if you have that duplication, that but it still functions. The original still functions. Of course it does. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. No, you're trying to take it, I think, too literally. Because when usually I think when the, you hear probably an argument in creation is talking about the information, they're talking about like the actual decrease in the information itself. Like things are getting clipped off type thing. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the entropy of the information okay. itself, the, the actual okay. expression of the information. Now, in the information theory, there is information outside of just the values you're seeing. The values you're seeing need to be given a value by a language. And that language is information, but it's abstract. It's not something we can see. It's not something we can always discern. It's the only thing that represents itself inside the organism. So when you have that duplication event, that makes it functional. Well, there's something inside that abstract language that makes it functional. Otherwise, it would be detrimental and cataclysmic. So it's what says, turn this duplicated gene into something that's actually functional as opposed to detrimental. But whether it's functional or detrimental still carries with it the genetic entropy that I'm talking about, which is a degradation of the integrity of the original information. Okay, I heard a lot. Okay, so what I'm essentially hearing is you're is you're allowing you're okay. It's what it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong because I don't want to strawman you. Oh, it's okay. Um, it seems like what you're saying is you're okay with this happening with the duplication and neo-functionalization of this mother of Gisha gene for a new purpose. You're 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 just saying that that's fine. Uh, oh yeah, I don't. I don't think I actually have a have a real issue with that. That's okay. one of those things that happens to. Well, we'll debate over. We're done then. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I don't. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> but yeah, I, no, I, I, I mean, no, um, I, I can. I mean, if we're really just saying that this could actually happen, and we have scientific observable evidence for it, there's no reason for me do. to not concede so, that point. Yeah. So, but but it's okay. not really answering my primary objection to the model. And, and this, I, I don't, I, I, mean, I don't want it to turn into this one thing where we have this primary little point. Here's this one example. Because here's the thing, I hear some naturalists they say, plant a seed in the ground, it grows. Naturalism, therefore, everything can be explained naturalistically. And here's the issue. Well, I'm, I don't really care about about naturalism as a as a total construct. I, whether or not the well, entire universe is natural, God exists. You adopt it, whatever, by, by, by assertion, um, you know, sort you, of indirectly, because the, the would, moment, well. The moment you say um, no intelligent agency, you're really only left with naturalistic processes. I'm saying – what I'm saying is I don't see a reason to invoke intelligent. But again, I'm not – again, we're, we're talking about if this is a natural process or this seems to be a set of natural processes. Now, it could very much be that a deity created each genus and then within this genus created a set of species who have neo-functionalized this gene. Now, that could certainly be the case. But that would require unnecessary assumptions. That would require a lot of unnecessary assumptions. We, why would we need to invoke a designer? Well, um, if, if the species are related within um, within this genus, right? So Ragavalia is a genus, right? And this, there are, I think, three species within this genus. So we already accept that. I mean, you accept these these three species within this genus are related, right? Uh, I, you know, I haven't looked into it, so or for the sake of the argument, I'm probably just going to have to go with you on that. I, I mean, we're talking about a species I didn't particularly look into. So, so. 
I mean, if you're saying okay, they all so, have, well, they can be, if you're so saying this, they can be traced back to a common ancestry of a common genome, and then they have had mutational changes over time, and that's traced. Um, I, I, I mean, if you, certainly, I have no reason to doubt you on that. Um, and again, it, it, it's not really answering my point. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's fine. I mean, I don't really have an issue dis disagreeing with that. Well, that's well, that's what I'm trying to go. I'm trying to right. go somewhere with this. Okay, sure. Okay, so so there's this three. There are, I believe, three species within Ragavalia, or at least there were three that were looked at in this paper. They compared the the genomes of these three species within this this genus. They also compared this genus Ragavalia to uh, the the relatives. It's relatives within the family within the total family Velidae. So it's the sister. The closest related species to Ragavalia is Stradulavalia. So it seems like you've got this these genetic similarities between these species within this genus, but these, but and the closest relative of this genus of these species is another very similar water strider. So do do you, do you see any reason that they should be separate, or would you say that they're both related? Well, would I, you say that I, all the all the genera, all the species within this family Velidae are related to each other well yeah see i don't think i have an issue with that you know we end up reaching here's the issue i, I kind of see jackson is we reach, okay. we reach kind of a critical determinator like like seriously like if someone had let me let me try to make this a little clear like if someone had presented me i, I think reasonable evidence inside my worldview construct to discern that there was reasonable evidence to believe that dogs and cats had a common ancestor Okay, I wouldn't necessarily. Fight we can do that, that one if you want. Okay. Well, that's fine because I well I wouldn't necessarily fight it because again it, it's not really answering the primary issue, and like I said, you know we notice I think probably one of the best example for us in a in a real terrestrial level is the type of evolution where I think and I talked to Erica she kind of said this is really essentially what evolution is anyway like when we selectively breed dogs. You know, when we selectively breed dogs, we can breed out lots of characteristics and those characteristics will care, carry with them kind of their own mutations. And that'll carry with it into, you know, the species itself. And some of these will kind of drop off and dead end and not be tenable for survivable. But we, can, mean, get all, we can get all this massive variation, you know, from this one singular isolated, you know, genome of the wolf. You know, so, but we also can see that there is the existence of convergent evolution. It's just out there, and there's lots of examples of it, how these things that are not connected, you know, have similar traits. Uh, now, evolution um, is utilitarian. It focuses on taking what's, what's useful and using it and taking what isn't useful and throwing right. it away, either by extinction events or right. whatever. So, so, so I'm trying to understand where you are so connecting the thing thoughts. Besides the thing about, what, I, I agree with you on that. Okay. Go, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I was talking for a bit. I apologize. I, um, I think, oh, there may be a lag between us. Well, I, I also run a, a lag channel, so us. I'm used to filling air, so I apologize. Just just jump in sometimes. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, if, I mean, if there is, if there isn't, then uh, tell me. But um, okay, so, so okay. Uh, what I'm trying to get at with this is it seems like you're accepting local uh, – relatedness and my question because the topic is universal common ancestry right. is where do we draw the line if the, i don't remember what the mega classification is for oh yeah no I, I saw that. yeah I in your, which one it is. 
in your but, opening, you kind of said, um, what, what did you say? Uh, you kind of said, where do the creationists draw the line for kind? Is that kind and I understand of, you're not, you're not a fundamentalist. No, no. I, I'm not, right. but, but, but it's still, reasonable. yeah, but it's still an appropriate question for me because I, I, okay, I kind of so, where you're going. Right. So it, that's, so that's, yeah, that's what, that's, that's kind of my point is I, is I, okay. I want, there's a there has to I think you, you don't accept universal common ancestry, correct? Uh, correct. I mean that's yeah, why that you're you're here across from me. Yeah. Um so there has to be a point in the phylogeny of life at which you say, There it is, I'm cutting it, I'm not agreeing beyond this point, correct? Right. Um well okay. I think I think perhaps to do that it would require a specificity on me that I don't think okay. the opposition sure. can maintain. And and I that and you I, don't I, think what can maintain? The, the, my, I don't think you can maintain a contrary position. Just as an example, like like you saying, can you draw a specificity on exactly what in our phylogenetic tree would would qualify as a quote unquote kind? And I would say I don't think we have enough observable sure. scientific information to really discern that. And I would say I don't think you do either. I would agree with you on that. In the terms, that, yeah, and, and and just as an example, I don't think we really have a clear idea of what species are. And your your example you had mentioned. Well, like, I agree with that, but probably not for the same reason as you well, might think. Well, you had mentioned something really interesting that kind of stood out to me when I was kind of researching some of this. You said genetic drift. And that's that's an interesting thing because that's essentially species crossbreeding, is it not? No, that would be that would be hybridization. Genetic drift is what occurs in every generation. That is the random distribution of alleles simply by Okay. by organisms uh, okay. interbreeding or, you know, maybe within a population. Gene flow is like when you have populations and they come together. Genetic drift is just the random fluctuations of different alleles within a, a, a population. Okay. You know, like um, if it's not, if there's Do not a big selective pressure, um, like um, uh, having wisdom teeth, for instance, we're at the okay. point now where if you have wisdom teeth, you're not going to die. You can just get them taken out. So whether or not, so whether you have the gene or if you're in a developed society, in which case you can have them taken out. Um, if there's no selective pressure on ha on the allele for having or not having wisdom teeth, it's going to randomly fluctuate. It doesn't really matter either way, you know, because okay. you're, you're not going to die if you have it. You're not going to die if you don't have it. So it's just right. going to be distributed randomly. Right. So that's an example of genetic drift. So, Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, that that makes that that makes a bit more sense. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I okay. guess I'm it, I, again. I think probably where we're probably going to draw to is that, um, it, like, uh, I don't know if I want to bring up this. I don't want to bring this up just yet. Um, there okay. is a stopgap to me. There's a place where it seems untenable. Like, like, and we know this because we just come across it in science. Like I gave you the example of the octopus. Like, there's no seemingly explainable way this creature fits into you know the phylogeny of all of the rest of life so actually i looked up a paper i actually looked up a paper while you were saying that okay. um and may i screen share oh sure yeah um um hold on i'm dumb i'm not technology savvy uh, okay. uh, i need a screen share for one second um right. because and mind all the porn people you know it, 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 it is uh is that the right one? Yep. That you might not it. be the right one. No, no, you oh, got it. Is it? Can you see the, the colorful? Yeah. You can see the colorful picture on my screen? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, so. It's so very I happen small, to know that, but yes, uh, I can see it. Oh, crap. It, um, let me see if I can make it larger. 
Can you I still? Mean, is, just, it, is the screen yeah, black right now? No, no, we can still see it. We can still see it. Yeah, that's fine. It's it's showing up. You can still see it. Okay. Yeah, it's showing up. So I happen to know when you. Fantastic. Okay, so I happen to know um, that uh, when you said that, or I find that to be a very peculiar claim, and I think I know where you're getting it, but no one really takes that claim seriously. No one takes the idea seriously that the genes for octopi fell out of space. That's like Wick Ramasing and his group. Oh yeah, no, no, um, no. And they're I'm just weird. Saying, Good. By Lord. the way, I'm Jackson. I'm not saying that's even really feasible. It's just the idea that they have no backtracking is so perplexing to the evolutionary. Oh, no, yeah, it's absolutely oh, ridiculous. That, that's really all I'm saying. Well, I see, agree thing, that because it's nobody ridiculous. Agrees well, the thing is... Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask right, you a so quick question. Let me ask nobody you a believes question. that. Real quick, real quick. What What is more feasible to you in terms of a hypothesis? That the octopus were dropped here by aliens or that they were part of a creation of God, of a divine? Um... I mean, I think e both are equally unlikely, but, um, really? but what I wanted to show you was that, yeah, uh, but what I wanted to show you was this. If you see right in the middle where it says cephalopoda, the green space, so you see nautilus, octopus, and liligo. The, the, the liligo is, the, uh, is the, the squid or a squid. You, Euprimna is also a squid. Mm -hmm. um, as you can see here on this, on this tree, they sequence the genomes of these organisms, the, the, the ones that are in... Um, uh, uh, bold. Right. Um, these are ones we have the most data on. See, it falls quite clearly within Cephalopoda. Um, I'm, I, I had never heard the claim that we have no idea where the octopus comes from. It's, it's like been a member of Cephalopoda for well over a century. I mean, well, I, I've, I'd never heard this. This is it, clearly the octopus. Is a mollusk. Well, you, it's a no, member of mollusca and specifically cephalopoda figures here with. No, I think I, I, we may Go be. Ahead. It, now, this right here this, is this phylogeny? Is this morphology you're showing me, or is this genome coding information? This is a current tree. No, no, no. I know. This no, is genetics. I, I, okay. This, yeah, genomics. Okay, so this is this is genomics. This is not just phylogeny. So this is genomics tracking the creature. So the green one is that. This is a 2018 one? paper. Okay, and the green one is the the green one in the middle. Yes, is cephalopoda the is the green. Yeah. Okay, so but the, yes, I, I think that's that's. Oh, kind oh of, well, kind that's of that's the argument. group containing the octopus. Right. So, what was the common ancestor for that group? Because that's that's. I mean, the, the common question. ancestor that's was the, the cephalopod. The the nautilus. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, you're not understanding. All right, the squids. The octopus. I, don't, I mean, if you go things. back in the fossil record, you can see the. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying the squids, the octopuses, all the things. Do what? Yeah, the cephalopods. The cephalopods you're pointing to and saying these things. That was my point. No one knows where these things came from. They have no connection to any of the other, por like like portions of life anywhere on Earth. Like like there's no connection anywhere. Like that's my that was my whole point. Was was this that those cephalopods? Except they I do. I didn't use the technique. Yeah, that's that. Okay, no, that's totally bogus. Okay, well, what is their common ancestor? They're, they're members of mollusca. They're in the same group with snails and slugs and uh, polyplacophorans and placa and uh, monoplacophorans and oh, so they have yeah. They're, they're part they of the whole. Genome. They're part of the total. They have the large group connectors for that. They have genome similarities. They have genetic information. Yeah, absolutely. They all have. Or is it just phylogenic? Phy phylogenic. Yeah, we also have morphological similarities. No, no, well, okay. See, here's the problem. Phylo phylogeny See, here's is based the on, are based on genetics. 
Okay, but here's where it falls apart for me, is because you can't, for me, because of the existence of convergent evolution, you cannot rely upon um, morphology to do this. You have to rely upon the genetics, the genomes. So if the genome That's what this is built on. Okay, I, I get that. But then at the, when I get to the end, the determining point, and I'm like, what is the common ancestor now? Now you're like, oh, now it's phylogeny. Now it's no longer genetics because now we have to go to what it looks like. So I don't, these, like these aren't man. separate things. These are the same thing. You understand that the phylogeny is based on genetics, right? No, it's the based genetics on is not separate from no, 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 phylogeny. No. Hold on. That's just a false statement. It's based upon more. Do you understand what phylogen? This is phylogenomics reveals deep molluscan relationships. What they? Okay. Let's see what they were. Um, Jackson, I think you're jumping over uh, one second here. Um, you have to. You, you're, the phylogenetic tree is converged. It's based upon evidence of both phyl, It's both both morphology similarities, and it's also genetic information, genomes. Okay. Yes. Those exactly. Are, okay. Yes, I agree. So. Now, I'm saying whatever argument you're making, you cannot rely upon morphology. You have whatever argument you have to make to me for it to be actually scientific and not just pure conjecture, contrary to the evidence of evolutionary convergence. You have to make an argument from the genomes alone. Then I just did. Page. So do well, you want me to read the same page for the paper? Uh, for what? For what? Uh, for which part? What so you it? agree. So. Okay, so molecular investigations of molluscan phylogeny have relied primarily on nuclear ribosomal gene sequences 18S and 28S. And uh, subsequent analyses of a combined data set 18S, 28S, 16S, cytochrome C oxidase I, histone H3 yielded similar results, namely that bivalves are not monophyletic and support values at most deep nodes are low. And so in this one, let's see, what did they utilize? What, what, what they utilized, because I'm trying to... What, this what are is we this, this paper that we were just looking we at. What, what are we? Well, I'm sorry. I, I I think I'm confused. What are we actually answering here? Okay, so the paper that I just showed with the the, the mollusks in, or sorry, with the the octopus in the the molluscan group. Right. Okay. This paper compared. This is a relationships among major lineages of mollusca based on 308 genes. Okay. So they're using genetics to resolve this total phylogeny of mollusca, which puts octopi and squid in this group i i would need to see the the actual probably genome claim for that because because i don't uh, think uh, I, I think i'll put it in the side chat for you yeah that would be great yeah because that I, I, then of course then the information i gathered was wrong that that they of course you know are very very isolated and independent species um so they they emerged yeah. uh with their uh complex very very human-like eye organs out of snails is that how that probably works? Uh, well, not out of snails. Snails are a close related group. Um, the that, that was another thing that I thought was a little interesting. Um, the eyes, our eyes are sort of backwards compared to cephalopods. There's convergence, but it's su su superficial convergence because the eye, our eyes are different. With our eyes, the light has to pass over our optic nerve to hit our photoreceptors, which are at the back. That's why we have a blind spot. You know, you do the trick where it's like you move your finger out here and you can't see it. So, so that's why we, we have that. We have that blind spot because the light passes over. Well, octopus don't have that. The, their photoreceptors are sorry. Their photoreceptors are in front of their optic nerve, so the light just comes in, hits the optic nerve, right. and the, and their their nerve. Sorry, light comes would, in, hits the photoreceptors. They're, they're both the optic incredibly nerve. complex and morphologically similar, though. 
I, I mean, you would still concede that. Well, sure, I'd say that, but the the, uh, the fact that we both share these these similar eyes isn't it's not confusing any researchers into thinking that we are more clo- that vertebrates are more closely related to cephalopods than to anything else. Because group that has a lot of different eye types because eyes are very malleable. We actually, funny enough, we do actually share the same Hox genes for eye development that cephalopods do, but also that fruit flies do and that lancelets do. It's called Pax 6. We all have the same genetic toolkit for making eyes, right. which is one of the ways that we know, uh, you know we're part of bilaterians and we're sister to their group. Okay, and what makes you... Do you find that significant? Or uh, I do, for the sake of shared design. I, I, I'm kind of hoping maybe you could give me an argument of, of a naturalistic mechanism to kind of explain that. You know, that type of shared congruency and... Sin. What do you mean? That's... Um, because it just, it, it, it does not make sense. I don't understand to... what you mean. It's the same gene. Uh, it's the I, same exactly. gene in exactly. different organisms. And, and how, would, how would they get it with no... And with no phylogenetic connection to each other, how would they have the same gene? What are you talking about? We're, we both we do have a phylogenetic connection. Uh, cephalopods are a member of protostomes. They're the the protostomes develop their their mouth before their anus, which is why they're protostome. We're deuterostomes. We develop our anus before our mouth. But we're both bilaterians. We share a set of Hox genes. Both us and squid and fruit flies and elephants. Okay. We all share a set of Hox genes, which right. have been neo-functionalized in a bunch of different ways. And Pax 6 is one of them that we share. It goes all the way back uh, to our, our common ancestor. Right. We do have phylogenetic uh, relationship with them. Well, right. No, no and I agree. I, I feel like, I feel like the, the waters keep getting muddied here a little bit. Because I, I, I think from your paradigm. In what way? Well, because I think from your paradigm, when you, when you are saying common ancestry and you're saying it with this like really definitive type of stance, you're saying it with like it's proven and it's proven through morphology. And like, see, because here's the thing, if you can point to... Well, I haven't even used morphology yet. No, I know, because you've all focused on local recent models. But like, you know, that's not ultimately what it comes down to, does it? It comes down to those, those, ancient, those mm. ancient creatures having a common ancestor all popping up in incredible complex diversity in a relatively short window. In the Cambrian explosion, all seven well, terrestrial fire popping up all at once. Um, wait, wait, how many did you say? Seventy? Uh, is that seventy? No, uh, no, 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 no. It's like twelve. Terrestrial phyla. Uh, terrestrial there were phyla. no ter- there were no terrestrial phyla in the Cambrian. Oh, I I don't think that the cam- so the Cambrian explosion uh, occurred about about five hundred and forty to five hundred and twenty million years ago. This is all deep ocean. Right, the, the all the organisms that are involved in the Cambrian are deep ocean, like uh, trilobites, pachaea, anomalocaris. This is deep water stuff. Um, th- there was like nothing on land at this point, except maybe oh. bacteria and some fungi. That's about it. Plants wouldn't colonize the land for another hundred million years. Uh, arthropods wouldn't colonize the land for like for well over a hundred million years. Tetrapods wouldn't do it for uh, well over a hundred, like almost one hundred fifty million years. This was way disconnected from terrestrial life. Uh, okay. Um, so, uh, all right. So you, I, I actually have a paper here. I don't know. Well, you probably wouldn't believe it. I'd probably have to track uh, down the actual source for it. Well, I mean, it um, depends. Biologists know that nearly all animal phyla, more than 70 known to exist throughout the Earth's history, appeared essentially all at once about 540 million years ago. Phyla are the what are you? What, is, what, is, what are you reading? Uh, this yeah. is from um, 
uh, Fuzz Rana, Dr. Fuzz Rana. He's a biochemist. Um, oh, no. no yeah. yeah, no, I've yeah. talked to him. Um, uh, I, actually, I haven't. There's a paper by Erwin et al., 2011, which is on. Um, I think I probably, Erwin, yeah, I probably, I, believe, I, saw it, I saw it in a nature journal as well. I actually cross-referenced this. Here it is. Um, I'll pull up the reference here. I'll tell you. Uh, Fuzz Rana was not talking about file in a nature journal. I can almost guarantee that. But here is no, no, a he paper was. by Douglas no, no, Irwin, no, who was, was actually a... There was a separate, there was a separate article I found about it. Oh, here's a paper I just posted in the side. It's by Douglas Irwin. It's on the Cambrian conundrum, early divergence and later ecological success in the early history of animals. So this guy is actually a Cambrian expert on, on, okay. um, on the evolution of life. Um, uh, the first, uh, let me see if I can find it. It's been a while since I read this. Um, uh, okay. Well, here, let me see if I can post this, this picture for you. Uh, so so you're saying again. that all the animal phyla appearing, uh, terrestrial animal phyla appearing during the Cambrian is a false statement. You're saying that? Yes. They, the okay. tetrapods, like our fishy ancestors of coming on land, that was like 400 million years ago. That was way later. Uh, this, the Cambrian is 540 million years ago. So this is yeah, way, yeah. way. Um, we're confusing things here now. I, I think again, we kind of keep talking over each other a little bit here. I'm trying. Let me try to clarify again. Um, okay. Um, so fish here's on, a paper fish by on land. Fish on land is not really is is that you're classifying that as part of the Cambrian fish on land. The, no, the, that's that's okay. Devonian. That's way later. Okay, thank you. So thank here's you. a perfect. Now that's where we that's where we got screwed up. Okay, again, I, I was talking about specifically Cambrian. Okay, so I don't care about the fish on land. I'm talking about the that's sudden what, emergence of really complex skeletal features, respiratory systems, uh, complex organs. All these things all emerging from a supposedly universal simple common ancestor into a wide vast plethora of very complex and so, highly evolved supposedly evolved genomic information so now, if i may um do you see this chart that i've pulled up here uh i don't i don't see your screen right now uh oh uh oh uh oh, uh -oh let me try that again let me see what am i what am i sharing at the moment I, I don't. I don't. You, see you had something Let me shared, stop but then, Let me try yeah, I was gonna say okay. you stopped it. Okay, can you see this? Can you see a chart right now in front of you? Uh, yes. Yes. Mm. Okay. So, um, so this chart. These are a bunch of file. I don't think this is. This might be all the phyla. Okay. Um, let's see, one, two, three. It's a bunch. Well, anyway, this is a bunch of the phyla. Um, some of these are not phyla, actually. Um, Cephalocodate is not phyla. Anyways, so here we have a set on this side. Actually, there's a. And as you can see here on this one, uh, yes, you do have a bunch. There was there was a uh, proliferation of organisms during the Cambrian. However, they were not from nowhere, and they also didn't just appear in the Cambrian. We do actually have a number of organisms predating. Uh, we have fossils in the Ediacaran predating Cambrian ones, which are sort of like what we would expect if these things are descended from Ediacarans. Uh, and in fact, all animals share a common ancestor that was way, way pre-Cambrian. We're talking like 300 million years pre-Cambrian. Um, for example, uh, you have Kimbarella in the Ediacaran, which is actually a 
a relative of you have the protostome branch so the, the animals that form their mouth before their anus and it splits it two ways you have the arthropod group the arthropods and their relatives and uh, that's kind of a bad way of putting it you have the ectozoans that's the technical name they shed their skin nematodes arthropods tardigrades and on the other hand you have this group called spiralia these organisms this is octopus um earthworms arrowworms lots of it's a lot of guys well both of these groups would have been around Precambrian, and a lot of them probably would have been pretty small and probably without skeletons. Although we do have some with we do have some skeletonized organisms. Uh, Kimberella is a, is probably an early member of Spiralia, um, based on its shell morphology and based on the uh, the trace fossils that it leaves. It has a radula, like uh, mollusks do, so it's similar to them in that regard. Um, we have guys like Yalingia which are similar to panarthropods. They're, they're, they actually have the, these three... Um, uh, these, these, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to put it. They're not fins. They're, it's kind of like uh, these markings, uh, the impressions on their side, which are very similar to that of, of trilobites, or that what trilobites would later have. But this is Ediacaran. So they're not from nowhere. There were animals around, and they were probably pretty different than the ones that were in the Cambrian. But they were around, and we have fossils of them. Once right. the Cambrian does kick off, though, there, we see stem groups. There are lots of stem groups at the base of the Cambrian, things like um, uh, stem mollusks and, uh, and arrowworms and, and stem uh, arthropods. And it's not till later in the Cambrian that we actually see the origination of crown arthropoda, crown mollusca, etc., a crown uh, chordata, things like that. Okay. Um, I apologize for speaking so long. No, no, it's fine. I kind of wanted to just go ahead and let you let you finish. I, again, I don't know. Here's the thing. And now we went back to morphology again. Like, and, and I guess probably just to really draw a bit of a line on it. But morphological arguments aren't going to work to explain this amount of differentiation in such a short period of time. Why not? Based, because, because it doesn't figure models uh, to rely upon mutations and time frames. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. I mean, okay, let's, let's take another example. Something 25 million years is a pretty long time. It is. But well, yeah. And, and I mean, I, there's certainly I mean, these argument, are different there's certainly argument over those all numbers. Going there's, yeah, no, no, I know there's argument over those numbers though, too, uh, Jackson. And I think you know that. I think you know there's there's ranges anywhere from five. Not really. To yeah, there kind of is. There kind. Of, I yeah, didn't... that was actually based. That was actually oh. based on a faulty uh, of, on a faulty determination of where the Adebanian uh, boundary is, but well, it's again, been largely that, resolved that, in the that years. That exact since. thing is exactly what I'm talking about. That that is up to debate. Now you can take your position, that science changes as it grows. No, science will make observations, and then science will make conjectures based upon those observations. And sometimes those conjectures are wrong. And this is one of those instances where conjectures sure. are science being changes. debated. Exactly. So conjectures are being debated right now. So if you take a position inside one of the active conjectures, that's fine. But don't tell me it's something that's been definitively defined for us you know just um, like, i'm telling you that the, the best evidence in favor of this is suggesting by the pit by the experts who well, specialize in this is saying it's upwards of 25 million years that's old your arbitrary position and desire to take it it's fine i would actually even i don't think the rocks and the fossils are very arbitrary i would actually even give it to you I, in, in fact i would even give it to you even the 25 million years i still don't think you have enough time 
And even with even with just the evolution of whales, you know, which whales we have tracked down through quote unquote morphology to be somewhere within the 10 million year time frame of, of evolution from yeah. their land aquatic bear ancestor things of whatever they are. But, you know, this is one of those things that's been shoehorned into the assumption of the evolutionary. What would theory. be a good time scale for you then? Well, let me just make my point and then I'll and why? answer it. Well, I'll make my point and then you can kind of answer it. Is that okay. the, for the for the whales specifically? Is that they don't they don't breed like bacteria? You know, you don't have hundreds of generations in a really short period of time to pass on a bunch of mutations and changes very very quickly. The the whales are very large creatures. Uh, they're very difficult to to quote unquote mutate successfully, which pretty much all large terrestrial creatures are, which is why they have a tendency to die out. But um, the whales supposedly with very, very low numbers of offspring takes a very long time to breed and reproduce. There is not enough time inside the phylogenic evolutionary timescale to account for whales. There just isn't. And it's just why? one of those species. Well, I just explained it to you. They, they, they don't, they don't you breed. Said they don't reproduce the way that all you see. This is one of those things I noticed that seems to shoehorn its way into the evolutionary theory. All creatures reproduce and mutate at the same rate, seemingly, or similar rates, or so, really close to it. And it doesn't take into account these these components that might. Oh, not they don't. Necessarily. No, they don't at all. Right. They and don't that's at all. What I'm saying so. If you're going to draw the type of specific, Wait, which is drawing, it then you ha you would have to. Otherwise, you're not providing evidence. It's just conjecture. And it's conjecture so, based upon a lot of morphology and assumption. I'm, I'm confused. Are you taking the position that the whales are descended from terrestrial artiodactyls or I, I not? Would, I would withhold taking a position because I don't think even uh, science can answer that question because it doesn't make sense. If, if, your, if your answer is it came from the aquatic bear. I told you, for instance, okay. that, whale, that the earliest... Okay. If you were bears, well, what, but, what, uh, okay. Darwin called them bears. I don't know. You call them whatever you want, but 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 they they were some sort of aquatic. Well, type, whatever. They, they were some type, sort of aquatic. They were artiodactyls. They were aquatic artiodactyls. All right, they Jack. were ter they were terrestrial even hoof mammals. And do you know how we know that they were related to both whales and to terrestrial even hoof mammals? Because they have similar similar traits. Do you know how we know? Morphology. They have the unique angle yeah, bone. Yeah, I get it, bro. Of artiodactyl. An argument. There, convergence. Then what's exists. the argument? A convergence exists, so not an argument. So your ar the, the argument is that, well, that well, you well, don't on, know. The you, argument is you have no clue where these species actually came from, but you're assuming naturalistic processes to define speciation when you do not have any. Do you understand of the how researchers determine convergence? Do you understand how researchers determine convergence? Yeah, because I, I don't, I don't think you do. Observation. We okay, look observation. At the, we look at if, the characteristics. If we're looking, if we're looking at, say, I don't know what's an example. Um, we're looking at the prehensile tail of, 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 uh, like a. Was know, I wrong? Of pang, of pangolins. No, not pangolins. Uh, of. Because you kind of, I mean, you observe made, everything. Made a statement. So, I mean, made a in statement. a relative sense, you know. You said, uh, do I not? even know how genetic convergence? I'm trying to think of. Uh, so, did I get it wrong? I mean, that's in a very vague sense. Sure, you got it right. Hey, good job. But if we're looking at, say, platyrrhine monkeys and you know, uh, and uh, porcupines, which both have prehensile tails, um, they're not the same. 
we can look at their morphology and determine, yeah, they're similar. They're kind of similar in this one feature, but they both have all the characteristics which are unique to their groups. Uh, rodents have a unique set of teeth. Primates have a unique set of teeth. They have uh, unique uh, pelvises and wrists and all these other things. That would be an example of convergence which is unparalleled. And so what I'm asking is if you were to look at the early whales like Pachycetus and Ohias, which have the, both the involucrum of unique to whales and the ankle bone unique to artiodactyls, how, how would you determine other, that it's not part of these groups? The time clock doesn't fit. I'm giving you prima facie evidence you, you that this years. is related to whales. You have 10 million. Yeah, I know. You're giving me morphology. Again, bro, you, I, why are you not getting this? I don't care about morphology. Morphology. That's not an argument. I'm so, sorry. Well, well, I'm sorry for you too, because morphology can't be proven as a method of which to determine heredity. You just can't do it because you uh, have. Actually, yes, you can. No, you can't. Well, you yes, can. You can actually, but it's not coherent. It's just assumptions. It's just your religious naturalism getting forced into science. It's not. This is not science. What, what we've been discussing here in terms of your assumptions of common ancestry is not science. There's no. There's no scientific observations for it. What you have is the observation. So what I'm hearing is a lot of. What you have is the observation of some speciation events happening naturalistically through adaptation, which I argue is a necessary component in the design of all life, because without it, life would not be able to exist. So therefore, it needed to be there for the very beginning of life. This adaptation component, which you claim is purely naturalistically manifested. Now I understand why you want to avoid talking about abiogenesis, because it's a complete catastrophe for you. Because it's not relevant? Well, it's relevant in and one way. And it's a debate about universal common you, ancestry? Well, let me tell you. Yeah, exactly. Universal common ancestry came from probably a single cell, or at least our origin of cells, or, or a colony of cells, or whatever it was. But there was something that struck it off, and there was the origin of life. And you and want again, to avoid it. Irrelevant. Because you know, yeah, it, it's irrelevant to you, but you because want to Because this debate is because about universal common ancestry, not abiogenesis? Common ancestry, sir, you are trying to avoid a topic you know you will lose, even though it is at the base of your argument. Do you know how debates work? Yeah. Like a topic sure. is defined before sure. you come to the debate and okay, then you discuss – what is the common ancestor of all life? What is the common ancestor of all life? Would have been some sort of prokaryote. There you go. So now we're talking about abiogenesis. So We're not because abiogenesis occurred – before the, 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 the last from? universal common ancestor. Where the came from? Well, then that's before the last universal common ancestor and is thus not relevant to this debate. Oh, it's not relevant to the debate. Because so, it's before. So it's, is it irrelevant last... to your belief as well? Is it irrelevant to your belief? You know what? For the sake of this well? debate, I will just say God snapped his fingers and life started and then from there it proliferated. Now let's go back awesome. to whales. Beautiful. Now, now you're a theist. Let's go I'm back awesome. to whales. Let's that. go back to whales because you skipped that one. So, since we're going back there, sure. I want you to explain to me how these features, which are unique to these two, two groups of organisms, who are also genetically related, are mere convergence in, their, in these fossils. How is that mere convergence? I'm not saying it has to be. I'm not saying it certainly is, and I'm not saying it certainly isn't. I'm saying you can't say it certainly is. This is the whole point of what I've been arguing straight from my I never said at that. the beginning. I never said Clearly that. Clearly it is. I am not 100% certain of anything. I'm not 100% certain evolution okay. is true. What you I can are, tell you, you is are, that the evidence okay. 
<laughs> indicates that evolution is most likely true. That's what I'm trying to get across. Here. Play the game with with the knowledge claims now with me, no sir. You, you, Does okay, that make fine. sense? You want to? Yeah, you want to play that game fine. You no, believe, I'm not playing. I'm not playing physics. You or, are. Or you're playing, yeah, you you are trying to play philosophical games, and I and I know you are because now you're trying to trying to turn into a knowledge claim. So uh, I'm not right? actually. I'm trying okay. to get you to think you, about you organisms, believe. and you have so far not. Every you time believe. I try to get you to think about organisms, you jump away. I tried no, I getting you to think. No, I don't. I, I all, about all of Ragavalia. You jumped away. I tried to think about whales. Sir, you jumped away. All of your arguments to support your case are irrelevant because they all ultimately rely upon morphology. Now, I told you there can be <laughs> traits in different independent. No, they species. don't. All there I've can been be provided. traits in different independent species that are very, very similar that have no relation to each other. Now, if that is the case and that I can agree. occur, you I cannot agree with rely you. upon that as your primary mechanism of the classification of all ancient life. It's nonsensical. Oh, Lord. It's based upon I've, I've, I've all, One wait, at a time. Hold on. Okay. If I say – what did you say? We're out of time? No, I'm sorry. I said – Can one, we have one like at, five more minutes? No, no, no. No, no. You have to you – have I said one at a time. <laughs> oh. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So – um. Uh, the, the point that I was going to make is that we can construct a phylogeny purely on genetics, right? That's what I showed you no. with the, the, the thing about no. the squid. That was about yeah, genes. Yeah, they were talking genes. about 308 genes. Dude. They were not basing it on morphology. Bro. What did you say? You <laughs> cannot get genes out of fossils. When I talked about pack 6 I'm not talking about fossils. Yeah, if now we, we're not. Because you're the one that keeps jumping back and with forth. just the genes. Oh wow, man! Well, because you keep asking me about these things. I'm sorry. You, you, can, you keep well, asking you, me about I, like the evolution I've of whales. Probably ten times at this point that any of your morphological evidence is irrelevant, and yet you keep jumping Look, back. Let's pretend fossils don't exist. Let's, let's pretend <laughs> fossils don't exist. Okay. Okay. Let's pretend fossils don't exist. Sure. I can still, with genetics alone demonstrate that we have a pack six gene just like squid do just like fruit flies do and just like elephants do i can do this at every stage i did we uh, we talked about uh, the squid that was just with genes that said 308 genes ragavalia is related to stradulavalia that's based on genes they're members of the family velidae which is based on genes is is that all okay? Is it okay to say that Ragavalia and Stradulavalia are related? Yes, and it right? has nothing to do with anything I've been arguing for. The then last let's then minutes. let's expand that. The Velidae is all all members of Velidae are related. Are all members of insects? Why are we still talking about really local speciation? Still, why are we? Still As I just said. Okay, so insecta is, is this because is hundreds of thousands justify, of species. Is this because you can only justify massive speciation by minor species? Would you let me finish? Is insecta are all members of insecta related to each other? Well, sir, I haven't looked into that enough to to, to really talk into that. As in all, insects. but they're all genetically related. Yes, that's all insects. That's uh, insects okay. and, and uh, their closest relatives. Sure, are the, uh, I, I would know the classification of tree or the like, because again, I didn't look into that, but sure, okay. What's okay. the point in that? Are insects related to. Uh, are, so it's Ragavalia genetically related. Are you, are you, okay, hold on. Let me backtrack. Are you saying, do I think all insects are commonly related? 
Yes. No. My comments. No. I why not? I see, because because I, we can show that they're all genetically related. You see that they're all genetically similar. This is what's the difference? The, what do you mean? What's the difference? The, the difference is your assumption, sir. The difference is you assuming that that tells you something that it actually. So is it an assumption that Ragavalia? So is is it an assumption that Ragavalia is related to Stradulavalia? Uh, that these that two they, are members of the family Velidae? Is that an that assumption? that they have similar features, that they have similar information, even genetic information, sure, I'll give that to you. Genes, yes. Okay, sure. Yes, Wait, so I are they related by, by a common ancestor? I, that I don't know. Again, I haven't looked into that particular part to go into this with you, sir, so I'm not sure. Why do you want to bring this up? You said you wanted to go to the whales. What, what, is, what was the thing with the whales? Well, because whales, I mean, I can still say we have genetics, which shows that whales are the closest, are nested within Artiodactyla. So they're within the hoofed mammal group genetically. Hey, you guys, uh, and that was actually one of the slides that I had. Gonna, uh, I don't have to. We're going to go for about another five minutes or so, and then we're going to kick it over to the Q&A because we've been running for okay. an That's hour fine. and five minutes. So, yeah, another five minutes or so, and then we're going to kick it over to Q&A. Okay. Time flies um, when you're having fun. Yeah, no, I, I mean, maybe maybe we could just move it to like two and a half minutes, like closing statements then, kind of make it fair. And uh, just yeah, like if you guys are finished, what I what I like to do when I'm modding is just give each each person, a, yeah, closing time. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if because we have been doing it Well, for he was a while. asking me a, uh, Oh, yeah, well, no, if you want to do the, yeah. the, the whale well, thing, yeah, go You were ahead. asking about the whales. Yeah. You were so, asking about the whales. So, so even without, sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. No, go ahead and make your statement. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go after you. Okay, I was just going to say, even well, we didn't even have fossils, really, of the whale transition until the 90s. So whales were still genetically members of artiodactyls, the hoof mammals, before the 90s. This, you know, the, the genetic sequencing came about in, like, the 70s. Or late 60s, early 70s. And so that's when... Uh, and so once genetic sequencing was done on whales, it was determined that they were members of the hoof mammals. Okay. Um, Is that significant to you? So, so the genetic sequencing says that they have similar genetic information to these creatures. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't... So hoof mammal, even hoof uh, mammals, yes. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> sure, I'm not sure what you want me to do with that. Again, it's just a matter of, again, shared information. There's shared, there's shared characteristics and shared genes and shared information across all life. I mean, we're like, what, 70% similar to daffodils? You know, now okay. you, can, you can assume, you can assume, and it will be an I assumption. I think it's like 50, but yeah. Whatever. Uh, you can assume that that... that well, see, that's what I've been trying to get you to work out. No, no. Okay. See, again, th this is... Well, that's what I've been trying to get us to work out, because if... I'm you know, sorry. we can test phylogenies in real time, right? Uh, in what way? You know, we don't have to just assume that, it, that it's... So you can actually... And this was a, a study that was done, like, decades ago, where you take virus... Take, like, something very short-lived, like viruses or bacteria... And you separate them, you induce mutations in them, then you separate them again... Right. Oh, yeah. And then no, you absolutely. can run... Yeah. You can make so you know we know what their what their um, what their what their phylogeny is of this family because they they induce mutations in it, and then they ran the sequences. They took sequences from each of the family or the, each of the little clusters, and ran them through five different programs, and all five programs returned the exact same to, the correct topology of this phylogeny. So we don't have to assume that this is true. We can literally directly test that. 
genetic similarities imply relatedness. Yeah, again, those those particular types of considerations I would give you. But when you're trying to stretch it into assumptions that don't even match your own paradigm, your own time. So then then what you're doing is you're basically saying, I don't need to reconcile this issue. I simply need to be able to to basically assume that we just have naturalistic processes that I haven't yet discovered yet. And see, this is this is what I said in my opening is that is that it, I'm not it, positing that at all. Well, you, you have to I think natural selection is sufficient to drive the evolution of whales. Well, well, Over you say years. that yeah. to me, I don't see that from the evidence. Now, now you can say it's sufficient for your view and your timeline. But given the the estimation of the ten million dollars, first of all, it, it, whales are incredible, bizarre creatures in the sense that they were supposedly from the evolutionary paradigm. They were sea creatures, then land creatures, then sea creatures again. You know, that's that's a heck of a You're lot. Right. Of Life is weird. So, yeah, that's a bizarre thing. I, to I go mean, through. same with sea turtles, same uh, with ichthyosaurs, same. You know, they're they're, they're weird. Tetrapods are freaking weird, man. But they are. again, we have we have the, the like the entire or we have a large sequence of fossils as well as the genetic data indicating that there are diadactyls so we have this congruence of, of data okay. both morphology saying, and genetics indicating saying, the common yeah. conclusion okay i feel like you're saying something that has to be untrue i feel like you're saying something that kind of i feel it has to be untrue here's, okay. here's the deal here's the deal you're saying we have we see that there's some shared information between a whale and what would you say a modern bovine of some kind? Sure, yeah, a cow, uh, okay. yeah, cows, um, okay. giraffes, deer. That, that's all already done. Okay, so so there's shared DNA. Okay, great. All life is shared DNA. That's fine. That's part of our paradigm too. Okay, so that's fine. It's not an issue for me. Okay, the issue is inside the model itself. Why? Or the whales. Because of the time frame, time frame that you have for all the mutations you need to go from the Pachycetus to the modern whale in 10 million years. That, that, so that the fact all order that I can show for each the of the steps of within this transition doesn't matter? It, uh, uh, by, by morphology? No, it does not matter. No, it doesn't. Because it doesn't fit your time scale so, for your morphology. For your phylogenetic tree, so so you saying I came to this conclusion. That's based not really on how evidence works, is it? It, it? I think it is. If you have contradictory if evidence, we have, evidence trapped. if you say if if your evidence if contradicts said, other parts of your evidence, your evidence is garbage. Except and here's the I, thing: it doesn't. We doesn't. have the genetic data indicating there are artiodactyls, and we have the fossil evidence indicating there are artiodactyls. You do the not. The only have, thing you're saying you is do not the have, only th the sorry. only thing you're saying is that the time no. scale is off. Now. I don't think the times. No, I don't think the time scale is super weird. There, lots have. of organisms undergo transitions. However, we, however, we whales still have their artiodactyl genes. They have the genes for smelling, but they don't use them because they live underwater. They have when they sleep, they have to like turn off part of their brain. This is if these were designed. This is a screwed up design. They have the genes for teeth. They try to form teeth during development. They try to do the things that artiodactyls do, but they can't because they they're, they're, these processes have been truncated in whales. Well, some, some of the processes, uh, the uh, baleen whales don't have teeth, but the, the, the odontocetes do, like dolphins and sperm whales. Um, I don't know what you're this, talking about, about whales not, not being able to smell things or not needing to smell things underwater. That's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard, even sharks. They have the broken – they have the pseudogenes for smelling. They have okay. the broken okay. pseudogenes for artiodactyl okay, so they, nasal okay. genes, but they're broken. They – 
They don't need them. Okay, so 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 you're saying okay. if you're a baleen whale and you're filtering. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's fine. So, just so I understand the argument, you're st they have similar features of these other things that, to them, you believe are non-functional or, or non-necessary. It's not just that; it's that they have the genes of their closest relatives, and you accept this on local scales. But I'm okay. trying to get you to say, right. I think you're, okay, you know, yes, think these similarities answering. imply relatedness, not just on local scales. I'm not, I don't. I don't know if you're answering my question. What's so, the question? Okay. So, so they have. They have the. Which is. Sorry. Which is what? They have the genome information for those olfactory organs, or they they actually physically have the olfactory organs, and they're just not used. Do you follow? I mean, they have. Yeah, they have the a, a, a blowhole, but it's not functioning in smelling anymore. It's functioning in. In, right. Uh, so, 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 yeah. so it's, it, it, it's not that it's not it's, the information is there. It's just not used type thing. So now the, here was my original argument, which I was drawing to well, the, you say yeah. that they have a common ancestor. You're basically saying the bovine and the whale have a common ancestor back to like Pachycetus or something similar, right? Is that kind of the mm -hmm. argument? Okay. Okay. So that's the idea because well, I mean, they have, the, the, the whale ancestor would have been more like Pachycetus, but yes, they do share a common ancestor. Yes. So, so maybe something before Pachycetus. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. But yes, they do share a common ancestor. Yes. But we don't know. But we don't know. Well, what exactly it looked like? I mean, there are there's like Hyopsidus and there are a couple other little fossils of like early artiodactyls. But what it exactly looked like, I don't know. So is it some is tiny? It just, is it just <laughs> as possible? <laughs> is it just as possible that it, it had come from a completely different phylogenetic tree than you speculate? Well, the genes would have to reflect that, and the genes don't reflect that. Or but, we would have, or you know, having fossil evidence of some—I don't even know how fossil evidence would work in well, that case. Well, I guess my point. Well, we have to have a gene. We have to have genetic evidence of that. Right, and exactly, and I guess that's what my point ultimately boils down to. And you kind of nailed it there, right, right for me, is that we need the genetic evidence. So, without the genetic evidence to the ancestor, we can't know that they had that common ancestor, let alone the same common ancestor at all. If you can't pinpoint that they did have this common ancestor, then you are operating on assumptions. You're just, you just don't want to hide I don't understand it. your argument because you I'm hide. saying we have – you said if we didn't have because, the genetic data, how would we know they had a common ancestor? But we I, have I, the genetic data. That's how we know they had a – I mean even uh, – you know, and we also uh, – I mean – yeah, I don't, I don't really understand that argument because you're saying guess, if we didn't I, I have guess, the genetic okay. data. Let me put it this way. We have it. All, all the actual evidence that I think – or certainly that I've seen that I think you have is, is certainly fittable inside my model just as much as it is yours. And, and see, all you're doing is assuming that all mechanisms that you don't even know about yet are – actually mechanisms of naturalism or naturalistically done without any type of driving force or intelligence whatsoever. Now, that's fine, but, I, but all your evidence still fits my worldview of the same thing. And see, now you disregard abiogenesis as being essential to the conversation, maybe even your belief. I don't know. I don't really know where you stand on it. To me, it's essential. Not irrelevant. Because I, already, I already conceded to you on abiogenesis. I already conceded you on God, that point, God so it doesn't matter. Move on. 
So, so okay, so, is, so can we just maybe... I said fine. Debate? I said okay. fine. Okay, so we end the debate right, that yeah, God created abiogenesis, but all, after abiogenesis, everything came from some sort of naturalistic mechanism to basically turn into uh, uh, all common life. All speciation came from... If you want to say that... ...that if, God created. If you want to say that... <laughs> if you want to say everything was natural after abiogenesis, because this topic was never about abiogenesis, then absolutely, I'm. We've agreed to my position. So fine, of course. Okay. All right, gents, you guys Whatever. ready? Let's, if you want to say that, fine. Welcome, welcome it was natural from Luca sir. onward. <laughs> All right, so um, you guys, thanks so much for that. Welcome it, to accepting me, universal <clears throat> common ancestry. Yeah, I guess. If, uh, yeah. So, all right, let me give you guys uh, one minute apiece to kind of. By the way, I would give you common ancestry, and I think James Tour would as well. I, if you would actually concede God, I would give you common ancestry across the board, and I probably wouldn't even have to fight it too hard. Because the fact of the matter is that even inside that model, in my mind, there would be stop gaps of information that we don't know. And those stop gaps, now I get to give to God because God is now the base of the source of the information. So you actually strengthen my case more than you do yours. But that's fine. I, I'm actually happy with this. So I think we exchanged a lot. The reason that I don't debate abiogenesis, Why the reason don't I don't, ever, the I think reason like I don't debate abiogenesis is I'm not a biochem person. Right. I'm, I'm an org... I'm about to get my degree in organismal biology, so, uh, but I, I don't know like anything about biochemistry. I took one organic chem class. I hated it. Sorry, professor, if you're watching. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's not my field, and I'm not going to try to argue. For, All right. It. Thanks so much for Sorry. that. I'm going to give you guys one minute apiece to give your closing thoughts um, on this. I, I kind of just did. <laughs> All right. Well, then, we can, if you want to just skip past yours, uh, Jackson, do you have anything to add before we go on to Q and A? Common ancestry wins. Let's do Q and A. Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for that. We do have a lot of questions. Um, let's skip to the first one. Thanks so much for your super chat, Germania. Five dollars. Thanks. Says honest question. If evolution was false, how does that prove or show evidence for an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God who drowned the whole world? Uh, yeah, I don't think we were really going into kind of like that evolution is false, just differences in opinions on it. And <laughs> she wants to go into that. You know, I'm going to answer that final part about Noah's flood like I did the other night that everyone seemed to ignore. You know, Noah was this preacher of righteousness, warning everyone for 120 years, got to give a warning, set off a cut event. They didn't decide to listen. They didn't decide to get on the ark. So they died and their children died with them. Their blood is on their hands, not God's. It's not God's fault. Stop being a sycophant. All right. Thanks so much for that. Next, we have a six pound super chat uh from rib he said to call him rib and you would know who it was smoky saint yeah i know who rib is <laughs> all right uh says smoky why do you use insults as a form of response to arguments idiot homo santa disgust uh disgusting are all just examples why not address the point yeah. Oh, sure. No, I do address the points, and I also address the character of the people that are delivering them. I don't think I've been mean to you tonight, have I, Jackson? I think this was a pretty pleasant conversation. No, I was, I was, 
I almost interjected because I was like, he, you didn't say anything. You, know, you didn't call me any name. Or I, yeah, I, I actually you know, thought it was, we had a, a fine conversation. Yeah, I thought we had a pretty darn good conversation. Yeah, Rib, the problem yeah, is that absolutely. You, you are a horrible person and you, you have garbage character. So you end up Ooh. getting called out for it. So that that's that's what you're talking about. So if you didn't understand that earlier. Wound. All right. Thanks so much for that, Burn. We'll move on to Brian <laughs> yeah. Stevens. No, I, yeah, no, this is a fine conversation. Mm. Brian Stevens uh, is a patron. He has a question for Smokey. Says, um, give the uh, give the chance. Would Smokey explain to Doctor Mary Schweitzer why her religious views are incongruent with her acceptance of evolution as the best science? I. I, I don't think I I don't think I'm familiar with who that is. So I, I apologize if you want to come to one of my um, <clears throat> live streams and pitch that. We can maybe have a conversation and dissect that a little bit because I don't I don't I don't really know. I think I know enough about her to give you an answer to that question. All right. Question from Elron Dear One says: Is Milo arguing for or against the concept of white fragility in next week's debate? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I answered that in the live chat. I think that he's arguing against the concept of white fragility. Uh, all right. Another ten pound super chat from none other than Rib Smokey. You say things such as that's such a dumb argument. Then go on to insult the person directly. If your opponent is making a dumb argument, surely it would be easy to debunk, no? Rib, how triggered are you? Can you grow up? You're literally just sending money to try to talk about how ridiculous you are? Come on, bro. Like, seriously, we had a good chat tonight. You're coming and talking about why I'm being mean in chat. Like, Like, do you realize how ridiculous you look? All right, thanks for that response. We'll move on. Kent Hoven CPA says, "Did Smokey attend prestigious Patriot University?" <laughs> no, I don't know what that is. All right, can we like not read insults? Well, if somebody is that a thing? What is that? What is, is that? Is that an insult? What is that? Is it possible to like insult? Well, if no, somebody... I don't mind the insults. I'm fine. Yeah, that's that's Go like a. Uh, it's fine. I mean, well, if somebody pays for it, we typically I mean, read it. But yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I've got a thick okay. skin. I mean, it's your I show. Mean, most right. of these guys are intellectual degenerates anyway. It's no big issue. Go ahead. Yeah, and most of them are insults. Uh, so, we'll, but um, yeah, we typically read if somebody pays for one, even if if That's it's for. I don't mind. Yeah, I didn't think Smokey would care. That's why I was like, I'll go ahead. All right, James Downward had a question for both. What evidence would convince you to change your mind on universal common ancestry? I'd put the question Okay, no, that's that's it. What what evidence yeah, I, would cause you guys to change your mind? I think I kind of said it in um in the uh in my opening is that like it's kind of a detriment to both sides that we're not able to get you know gene information out of fossils you know if we could somehow figure out the technology for that um and that was able to give us some sort of definitive information one way or the other to really validate common ancestry yeah i'd be on board dang that was something that i forgot to mention i actually wrote it i was taking notes while you were talking uh are you familiar with paleogenomics you know, I touched on that earlier today. I read a little article. I don't know how close attention I was paying to it, but if you want to send there are there are very recent, and by recent I mean within the past, I think it's less than like five hundred thousand years that um, we can actually get some 
like fragments of DNA from fossils. Uh, this has been done with uh, Neanderthals. It's been done with uh, Denisovans, but also with other animals. Like uh, we have genes from mammoths. That's how we know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, elephants. Yeah, actually, the Indian elephant is the sister to mammoths. Uh, we have that for a couple of other. I think some horses and a few other uh, re very recently extinct organisms. But that's about it. Um, right. No. It's, it's yeah. No. I'm really interested in the ones when we can pull back like to like back to cambrian times like because that really it's the cambrian level type of events you know that really i actually did two videos on the cambrian if uh cambrian explosion part one and two if you uh, want to watch those are on my oh, channel yeah, I'll so consider ja that. yeah jackson did you did you give the uh, my response is uh either irreducible complexity as darwin once said or um the other one would be uh i know smoky's not a creationist but in the baromenological kinds if like every group of organisms that was created separately had its own genetic code maybe maybe not necessarily something operate on dna something else operate on rna something else was on a totally different genetic code if every organism every created group were like that that would be very strong evidence all right against th evolution thanks so much for that we'll move on our next super chats from germania smoky i understand you don't accept evolution do you have an argument for creation instead you know, you understand wrongly, and that wasn't the debate. Like, again, to me, like, evolution is really just a component of, like, selective breeding. But at a certain point, we have a stopgap that naturalism can't seem to explain. It just kind of starts to assume. So that's where I start to have an issue with believing that we can just assume <clears throat> naturalistic mechanisms across the board. All right. Thanks so much for that response. $5 Super Chat from Coco Puffer says, Coccyx, vestigial or no? Discuss. Uh, essential, necessary. Your guts will fall out. You will actually crap out your own guts if you don't have it. So it's both. Um, it is a vestigial structure, yes, but it is also necessary because it is a reduced form of what previously existed. And that has been the definition, or a, having a reduced function does not, does not necessitate functionlessness. In this case, it doesn't. But because it is highly reduced from being a tail, then yes, it is still vestigial. That doesn't make it. That doesn't mean you, you should take it out. Please don't remove your hoxics. All right. Thanks so much for those responses. Next, we had a uh, question from Luca Mendogna. Says to Smokey, "What is the Clausius theorem?" And tell us the unity of measure of entropy i think he maybe he meant unit of measure of entropy uh yeah that i don't think i'm specifically familiar with um i'll i'll go to google later for you <laughs> all right thanks for that we'll move on to elronder one says converse are you uh also preparing to Okay, so he was. I think that's a question for me. Um, so we'll move to James Downard. Says Converse, question for Smokey: Do all ALUs in our genome contain the same or differing information, and what would a changed info look like? Well, 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's going a little more specific off of my generalized point at the beginning, which was about the degradation of the information or alteration from its integrity of its original form. And if that happens to carry with it functionality, it's because the functionality is carried with it inside the informational language that makes it functional. So that was kind of what I was saying. I'm not sure exactly what he's saying. The What is he, ACL? Uh I'm sorry. He he said, uh, "Do all ALUs ALUs their their primate specific uh, transposons?" Okay. All right. Yeah, I think that's about as best of an answer I can probably give based upon my current knowledge. And again, guys, you know, science isn't my typical you know area of of debate, but I'm trying to learn and focus on you know like gathering all this information. So of course, some of this more specific stuff, I'm still learning on this. My area of focus and study has been a lot more theology, history, culture, sociology, stuff like that. All right. Thanks so much for that. We have a question. I'm sorry. I'm going to skip ahead to some of the later super chats. Uh, and then we'll come back to some of the questions. Uh, Tioga, $5 Super Chat, thanks so much for that. Says, the reason we can turn a chicken into a dinosaur with CRISPR is because the chicken retains its old genes. Natural selection doesn't delete genes. So this is a, more of a comment, but unless you guys want to say something about that. That's not technically true, <clears throat> actually. Natural selection can cause the, or I mean, me- Mutations can cause the deletion of genes, and those uh, genes can be deleted or broken if they don't confer severe enough uh, detriment to the organism that just wipes it out. So that's not technically true. They contain vestiges. Chickens contain vestiges of their dinosaur ancestors, but that doesn't mean natural selection doesn't always weed out certain genes. There's this whole process of of canalization in different organisms, especially if they become parasites. All right. Thanks so much for that. $10 $10 super chat from none other than Jungle Jargon. Somebody we've known for quite a long time on YouTube says, Hey, JJ. <laughs> Why does Jackson Wheat think billions of bits of programming without mistakes are from making mistakes, which then have to be selected for in very limited time and space, relatively speaking? Did he ask why? Because he, that's, yeah, he says. I mean, why does Jackson? One thing I wouldn't say. Why do mutations happen, and why does natural selection occur? Because only so many organisms can exist in an environment and compete for the limited resources, and mutations happen. I don't. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for that response. We'll move on. We have a super chat from. Four ninety nine from Dana McWhite says, "Can we have a debate that explains law to converse contender?" <laughs> the other day we were we were arguing the other day in a chat um, about law. Listen, if you see me in a chat and I'm arguing a point that nobody else in the room believes is the case, it's typically because I come into a room and I hear echoes, and it's just in my nature to kind of like throw a stick in in somebody's like spokes of their wheel when they're like cruising. Sorry about that. Um, it's just my nature to be uh, a um, to break up the echoes in a chamber. Sorry. All right. Now we'll move on to our next question from Germania. $5. Thanks so much. I have no faith in scientists, but 
I have faith in a book written over thousands of years by ancient sheep herders. Makes sense. <laughs> do you have any response to that? I, I do not believe in the conjecture of religious sophists who are sitting in their position saying that this is what we have to believe. Now, if you are one of those people who likes to believe only what you are told to believe, continue to do so. But I've looked at the evidence and I've digested my reality with the most sensical, logical, probable definition that I possibly can. So your, your conjecture is basically just arbitrary and you're probably basing your beliefs based upon consensus, which I think is just ridiculous. So. All right, thanks so much for that response. Next, we have a $5 super chat from Mitchell. Haven't seen Mitchell in a while. Question for Jackson. Is your facial hair a random evolutionary change to attract the opposite sex, or is it a trait <laughs> via intelligent design to reproduce? What do you say? It's both. Who? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're fading. You, I couldn't hear you because you're you you roboted. Yep, my stream. Yeah, my internet is sucky. Um, I said maybe it's both. Okay, gotcha. Thanks so much for that response. Our next question. Can you hear me? Yeah, we could we could hear you on that one. Our next question, super chat, is from Danny McWhite again. Four ninety nine. Thanks so much for the contribution. Says. James running around with all his sock accounts for Steve McClazy. All right. Thanks so much for that. That's probably the case. But can't confirm or deny. All right. Rib is back with five pounds or quid, however they say. Smokey, you can't help but dodge, dip, duck, dive, and dodge, can you? Dodgeball reference. Love it. Rib, I, you know what? You, empty assertions, useless. You have to make actual arguments. I think after three debates, you would have figured that out by now. I guess you just don't have any. All right. Thanks so much for that response. Our next $10 super chat. Thanks. Matthew Steele, very generous, says, Jackson, would you please educate Smokey on what the bare minimum of evidence it would take to disprove the theory of evolution as the only working explanation for biology on Earth? That's a tough question. Well, I mean, as, a, uh, as I said in, on my thing, um, if irreducible complexity were true, that'd be pretty good evidence against evolution. If every created group had its own um, non-overlapping set of genetic material that'd be really good evidence uh we just don't have that just a quick can i have a quick follow-up just to piggyback real quick um what what do you think would be viable evidence for irreducible complexity or or like do you think that there's something that you've seen that kind of defeats it irreducible complexity so in all the instances of irreducible complexity that i'm aware of it's it's always some feature which where we can either see, um, well, it's typically something soft, something like a cellular component or an organ. And so it's not going to have a fossil record, but we are going to find genetic evidence for evolving in its close relatives. Um, the flagellum is one of the favorite, is Michael Behe's example in Darwin's black box. But the flagellum, or the, the genes that make up the flagellum 
are homologs of each other. It seems like it's a series of duplication events, and all the proteins that are involved in the the flagellum um, were pre or are present elsewhere in the cell doing other things, but it seems like they were co-opted from their jobs for a new job. Um, the blood clotting system, there are many variants of the blood clotting system. Uh, we can see that there are proteins in other organisms that don't have blood clotting systems, but... Uh, but they have this, the proteins that we have co-opted. Um, the eye, I did a whole video on the eye. So. We could do, we could do uh, what, 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 I guess what I would say is... We could do a whole debate on everything you just said, but that's totally cool. I, I want to just let you answer the question. If, <laughs> if there were no genes, if like there were no set of genes that were common regulating the evolution of eyes, for instance, just as my example, if, okay. if every organism had like, every, every species had like a different gene for the eye, I think that'd be that'd be pretty darn difficult to explain. All right, okay. thanks so much for that response. We have another five dollars super chat from Just a Walking Fish. It says, please explain the following terms with Smokey going first. Allele, phylogeny, phylogeny, sorry, locus, selection, pressures, and the textbook definition of evolution oh boy well um try to work backwards from there i think uh let's see the textbook definition of evolution is the changes of alleles in a population over time alleles i believe is the actual genetic information that actually changes over time what, what were the other ones uh locus selection pressures uh loki's uh loki's well sort of intersections the points of the genome specific points of the genome i believe and what was the other one uh phylogeny and sex phylogeny that's yeah that's just a, a <laughs> classification tree of common ancestors and selection yeah. pressures uh that would be the things that are i i believe pressured upon natural selection to cause changes in the environment that would cause changes on the species i believe all right jackson you want to add to that or we can move on you did pretty well you did pretty well on them. Um, the only one that I would, I mean, I, I say you got most of them. You did pretty well. Uh, you got the definition of evolution right. Uh, that that's great. Um, uh, the only one I would change is allele. Alleles are the versions of the genes. Like okay. if you ha you have a gene for eye color, but there are different gene, there are different alleles. You could have blue eyes or green eyes or brown eyes. But other than that, right, good, right. very good. Yeah, right. All right, okay, I appreciate. It. Thanks so much for that accurate response. Marcus Aurelius comes from the. Past, I must say, future to the future. With a question for Smokey, would he agree that we don't need absolute proof to make an inductive argument to the best explanation, as per the scientific method? I believe that would be uh, abductive. But go ahead. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's using terms there correctly. Um, it's kind of a hard question to answer, actually. Um, I think what I would do is I would want to rely upon the best argument method available with the available information and draw inference from that. So it, it, the, the idea is that I'm looking for the best arguments based upon available data, but I'm not looking for arguments that are specifically leaning one way or the other. I'm basically looking for agnostic arguments and trying to discern information through that because I do want to believe what's true, and I always have. So, you know, that's, that's certainly part of my methodology. 
All right. Thanks so much for that response. We'll move on to our next question from Five Dollar Super Chat from Mitchell for Jackson. How did the first living cells acquire the information to reproduce at random without undergoing the ultimate inbreeding problem? You already said God. <laughs> well, there. Well, yeah. I mean, for one thing, I said God, but also they wouldn't be inbreeding because they were prokaryotes, so there's no sexual reproduction going on, therefore no inbreeding. But yeah, you're right. I already said God, so there you go. There we go. All right. Thanks. So it's solved on both pro- both accounts. Oh, both problems. We had a good debate tonight, man. It was awesome. All right. Thanks so much for that, Mitchell. Now we move on to another ten dollars super chat from Matthew Steele, a debater from just the other night. I believe he was on. Um, he said, "Smokey, sir, can you provide a basic definition and usage of a working scientific theory?" <laughs> Thank you, sir. I mean, bro, sir. Is he just like wanting to quiz me, like like on all these terms? Like, isn't he the one that sent me all those different terms for me to define? What is this, Matthew? Like, are you trying to flex something because you're sitting in chat in front of Google and I've already admitted that this isn't really a typical field that I do a whole bunch of study into, and you're trying to leverage something against me because you're a petty person well great dude I, I apparently need to need to have google in front of me next time like you and just sit inside chat and grill you with questions all right thanks so much for that response we have a five dollar super chat from sunflower says at johannes kolsky i may have pronounced that wrong has, uh, yeah i know you yeah. okay has been humiliated beyond belief he was wrong about p53 and then he invoked the MSV from CT scans to illustrate X-ray radioactivity. What, what are we talking about? I don't know. Did you? If you wanted anybody wanted to respond to any of that, it's fine. Well, I, did any of that come up tonight? Um, I don't know. I figured it was maybe some type of inside thing that I didn't had no clue about. Jackson, do you mention anything about that? I I, I haven't mentioned P. Oh, P fifty three is a papyrus, which has to do with something from textual criticism. Sure. But I haven't mentioned that in like. Oh, I, mean, I was thinking he was referring to the to the gene P fifty three. Oh, it's well, P53, the, the tumor suppressor like, gene. But P53, no, I think papyrus fifty three. We didn't talk textual criticism. Talk about any. Yeah. Um, that, so. Okay. Well, yeah, he must have been talking about the gene because he, he goes on to talk about... I don't know. We didn't talk about CT any of that skin. Stuff, so. All right. We'll move forward. We have another super chat from none other than the same person, Sunflower. Thank you so much for $10. Very generous. Says Jackson, the concept of screwed up designs doesn't make sense if you consider... These animals simply an evolutionary stepping stone or necessary byproduct when moving toward the end goal, humans. What? I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, don't I don't know if I even I understood what the that, question actually. was. Uh, he says, "Read the, that one more time." Yeah. It, he I, says, I "Jackson, the." Con- I mean, I didn't use. I didn't use the. He says the concept. I didn't use the argument from. Of, bad design I, okay gotcha sorry go ahead no nah, he was just saying the concept of screwed up designs doesn't make sense if you consider these animals 
simply an evolutionary stepping stone or necessary byproduct when moving toward the end goal humans. I think he's saying like, hey, the um, I, I think you said what? something. I think you said something earlier, either about vestigial organs or maybe it was wisdom teeth or something like that, where you were trying to say like, hey, well, we didn't need these. And well, he I mean, oh yeah. yeah, I mean, we we talked about we talked about some things. Uh, like the the um, whale pseudogenes for for uh, smelling, but um, I I was using more of that, or I was using that more to show that there are these genetic commonalities between whales and and um, uh, artiodactyls. There are some sort of interesting philosophic problems with the bad design argument, uh, which is why I didn't use it. All right, um, but I don't really understand the question. I so i don't know all right thanks so much for that um let's see i'm checking the live chat because uh matthew still says i didn't ask the question that Smokey is whining about and he didn't answer a very simple question so maybe uh we'll try maybe we'll try and uh Maybe I'll try and revisit yeah, it. Yeah, if you want to read it again, I'll try to take a crack at it. What was it? Something about can I name an evolutionary theory that exists or something? Um, or so, his yeah. Uh, it, it's uh no, no 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 no. It was um. Can you provide a basic definition and usage of a working scientific theory? Uh, sure. I suppose the theory of gravity, we know that gravity operates and based upon mass. So relative to the amount of mass, gravity will be affected. So I guess that's, that's one operationable, testable, provable, uh, theory. Sure. Okay. And if that wasn't it, please let us know. We'll, he, he's already spent $20. So, Hey, we appreciate that. I mean, not that I'm getting any of it, but Hey, it supports well, the channel. Lie, but I'm willing <laughs> to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mitchell, another $5 super chat. This guy's a big spender. He says, JW, a jet ski and an ATV require a spark plug to operate. If not by common design, what intelligence created the elements for that spark plug to exist? I don't think any of the things we talked about were human objects, and everything we talked about undergoes reproduction, unlike refrigerators microwaves cars skateboards so moot analogy all right thanks so much for that response bruce wayne five cas whatever that is with a super sticker that has somebody pumping iron and it says keep it up thanks so much bruce for that we will keep it up mark reed five a's whatever an a is says smoky we are pointing out ad hominems are logical fallacies. Are you using it to deflect from addressing arguments? Okay, it's only an ad hominem if I use it to defeat the argument. If one of my arguments is you are low character trash, and I've demonstrated through pointing out things about your character and your failures as a person, it's no longer an ad hominem, it's simply a conclusion of an observation. So it's, you're, you're just mistaking terms because you want to be triggered. All right, thanks so much for that. Our next super chat is from Citrafreda Sarabia, ten dollars. Thank you so much, Citrafreda Sarabia is always in the chat. Says at Jackson, if if you accept conversion theory, sorry, if if that, that 
threw me off there. If you accept uh, conversion theory, are you saying there's something else besides evolution guiding the process in which if we rewind the tape, some things are bound to happen the same? Why not ID, I guess, intelligent design? So that's kind of several issues all wrapped together. Um, I don't think can convergent I, can I evolution. Point one for you to focus on because I think there was one part of that that was really important, which is the idea that I, I'm sorry. Read it one more time. Converse. There, how there can was, you tell? If you accept conversion like said, theory, how can you tell the, if you accept the conversion theory, are you saying there's something else besides evolution guiding the process in which, if we rewind the tape, some things are bound to happen the same? Why not right. intelligent design? And I think the idea, as I understood it, in evolutionary theory, as it stood for a long time, if we wound back the clock to the beginning of so the, that's really two questions together, uh, right? But if we, I, I think, I think I understood what he's saying. If we wound back the clock to the origin of life, then if and then we let it run forward again, then it would manif manifest as something completely different. It wouldn't evolve the same. But the idea of the convergent evolution means that it probably would have and should have. Like it's almost essential. You know what I mean? Uh, mm, not really. Okay. Um, so some things can convergent. Convergent evolution happens a lot of times because you get different organisms, but they're going at the same problem. Um, if, for instance, in, uh, you know, you have wings developing because you know these organisms have to fly. Um, a lot of there are a bunch of different organisms that look like ants because. Maybe organism or you know, something that's eating bugs will maybe leave you alone if you're if you look like an ant because they think there are lots of you. Um, uh, you know, prehensile tails are useful for living in trees. Um, so that's uh, that's that's the selective pressure driving them having an extra limb to help balance you in the tree. Um, does that mean so convergent happens obviously, but does that mean life? Uh, if we replayed the tape of life to use Gould's analogy. Would things turn out the same? I would say heck no. If you read Wonderful Life, um, maybe some things wouldn't, or some things have tendencies to kind of go down the same paths. And I was actually, I just finished Neil Shubin's new book. And he talks about how mutations in salamander hands kind of end up, there's kind of a set of bones that are more likely to fuse than others. And this happens a lot in these salamanders. So yeah, sure. So maybe some things would happen over and over again, but you also have to remember mutations are largely random, but this is also dependent on the environment. These are mutations in particular environments, and environments are dependent on wind patterns and climatic changes, and they're de dependent on how the continents collide into each other and you know whether volcanoes are produced or rift valleys. So there's loads and loads of contingencies that are going into this. So I would say no. I would still say convergent evolution happens. Does that mean everything is constrained? No. All right, thanks so much for that response. So we'll move on to our next super chat. George Bond, five A's, whatever the A is. Question for Jackson: How do you verify co-option? I'm sorry, I missed. My internet was cutting out again. Sure, did you? George Bond. I heard says, Jackson. Yes, he says. Question for Jackson: How do you verify co-option? So uh, if you, when you look at these organisms and they have the same genes, they have homologous genes, a lot of times co-option occurs because you have a, 
you have a duplication. So you have the gene, but it's been duplicated. But it has also uh, and these mutations are slightly affecting how it operates. Uh, I mentioned the case of, of, of Geisha earlier. Geisha is a duplicate of this gene, mother of Geisha. They have enough homology we can confirm this gene originated from this other gene because Geisha is only in this one group, but mother of Geisha is in this whole group. And so that's how you can, you can be relatively assured that this is part of this subset. But co-option occurs because it's developing mutations and you have selective pressures on this organism. And so um, it's doing, the mutations are causing it to do something slightly different than it was originally. And if that is favorable in that environment, natural selection can favor it to do that more or do that better. All right, thanks so much for uh, that general response. General option occurs. Thank you so much. Sunflower, again, $2 Super Chat, says that was in reference to Wells having smell genes. I guess his last question, which was the concept of screwed-up design doesn't make sense if you consider these animals simply an evolutionary stepping stone to necessary byproduct when moving toward an end goal humans. Maybe that was... Maybe. But whales are not part of our lineage, so moot point, I guess. Well, well, they technically are. I mean, they kind of... Whales aren't, no. Like, all the way back at a certain point, we had a common ancestor. We had a common ancestor who was yeah. part of it, but that would have presumably had functioning genes as the other artiodactyls related to whales are still, you know, they operate um, in... in... Uh, where they, they sell gene working, but whales lost that along their lineage, not in our common ancestor. So I don't, they're, they're not. Well, but I, I, I think that was kind of what I was drawing out of the, the assumption and that, but it's okay. No, no, let's, let's move on. I'm sorry. I, I actually have another stream I'm supposed to do here soon anyway. So All let's... right. Thanks so much for that. We'll move back to Korag Nightwolf's question. Question for Smokey. If the diversity of life on Earth is not well explained by evolution and biology and chemistry, what would be the alternative and what would be the evidence? Um, well, see, and I, I think everyone kind of seems to just keep mischaracterizing me. It's, I, I mean, can't read it one more time. I can pretty much only respond to one part of that question. One sure. more time, He says, uh, if the diversity of life on earth is not well explained by evolution and biology and chemistry what would be the alternative and what would be the evidence well no i think diversity is kind of explained i mean certainly speciation to a certain level i think is explained by evolution as it's called evolution which is the changes of those alleles in a population over time as there are certain pressures placed upon a population it's basically like being forced to selectively breed you know, I just don't think I have sufficient uh, scientific uh, evidence to believe that, that, that there's a naturalistic mechanism behind all of that. You know, and, you know, for me, I have to look at it in a very practical approach that some of this is just conjecture. It's good conjecture. It's scientific conjecture. But at the end of the day, it is still that. Um, and our, our gaps in the knowledge to me don't attribute us to be able to just assume naturalistic mechanisms by, by automatically. All right. Thanks so much for that. Tioga is right. Hit the like button if you're a good person. And for people, Amen. Hit the like button. And for people who aren't good people, feel free to hit the dislike button. All right. Sunflower, another $2 super chat says, 
I said stepping stone or necessary byproduct. I guess this is kicking it back to the whale's smell genes. So, so is it used? Okay, so is it used? I guess the idea is, is it used in its process of evolution? Or is it just completely defunct? Is that I mean, they were at one point. I mean, they were used at one point, but they are pseudogenes now. They become pseudogenized such that they still have the mammal receptors, thardidactyl receptors, but they're broken. Do we know that, that was just that was that was just that? And a quick question: that was the whole thing. Maybe you know Jackson just real quick. Do you know they they have no function at all anymore whatsoever, or that just their function has changed? As far as I'm aware, they're. Uh, at the very least, highly reduced, or and in some cases, they're not functioning at all. Okay. I might have to look into that more. Okay. I'm not familiar with the exact pseudogenes. I, I'm sure there's literature on it. No, yeah. It's actually compelled me enough to go look into it for sure, yeah. All right. Thanks for the response. Sure, yeah. Another $5 super chat from Area 85 Restorations. Sounds like a cool car restoration shop. Probably not, but says, can creationism make novel, accurate, testable predictions of future data? If not, then nothing you said tonight amounts to anything. Evolution can, by the way. Well, there are creationist models that end up doing the same thing and using a lot of the same data and also uh, creating predictable uh, um, scientific models. So, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't think that's a completely... Um, aware statement to be making um i don't have any off the top of my head but if you would like to come to one of my live streams i can probably uh pull up some references for you all right thanks so much for that we're gonna try and practice brevity and we will try and get to the rest pretty quickly all right a question from k no says can Smokey provide anything that is better explained by supernatural than natural in a way that makes verifiable predictions and can be falsified? It's kind of the same question, really. Yeah, it's kind of the same question. Yeah, it's the idea is that you guys might be making unrealistic demands while thinking that your position is probably better than it is. And generally, this comes with a lack of appreciation of what you're asserting and what your presuppositions are that you're using that you don't feel you have to justify. So that's probably one of those things better unpacked and dealt with in an actual live stream session. All right. Thanks so much. James Downard says, a necessary chronology clarification question for both. When was the first life on Earth and what was it oh gosh what was it the first uh the first kind of very basic life was what uh one billion years after the beginning of earth or something jackson maybe you can help me with that i'm not i'm not 100 percent. um it is estimated uh based or the earliest fossils uh come from about i think uh, uh 3.77 billion years old billion years and the Earth is estimated to be about 4.6 billion years old. So it's like sulfur. Yeah, you know, so much, something like that. Is that what they were? Yeah, yeah, methanogenic archaeans and and some and uh, the stromatolite uh, right. bacteria. No, and so that's that's really yeah, yeah, yeah. That's maybe um, like uh, 600 or so million years after the Earth uh, first formed, and maybe 200 or so million years after the start of life, somewhere around there. All right. Thanks so much for that. Let me move over this little icon here. 
All right. Um, Marcus Aurelius joins us again. Took Doc's vehicle back to the future and says, question for Smokey, just like microevolution and macroevolution differ at scale, does he believe that enough inches won't make a yard? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, what, yeah, that's not a good comparison or analogy for me because, again, you're just kind of assuming that these types of things could converge. And, like, and that's, that's fine if we had sufficient evidence for it. I don't think we do. And it's, it's one of those things where if you're making a claim to me that all life, all of the genome information of all the diversity of all the species that we see is simply a product of error on top of error on top of error over time, then to me that is an extraordinary claim. And I don't think that the scientific community has been capable of providing sufficient evidence for that claim. And the local isolated type of speciation we see, and on top of that morphology from ancient fossils, to me is not sufficient evidence to make that claim. All right. Thanks so much for that response. Um, next question from James Downard says, question for Smokey, if it doesn't come up, Converse, what is his position on the members of the horse evolution sequence are they related or not yeah i don't think i have an issue believing that the horses are related and i don't see a reason why i should um yeah i mean yeah that's not an issue for me i mean i would i would tend to expect like and this is from my kind of model worldview maybe to 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 fit it a little bit like to me i don't have an issue believing that there was some sort of hooved progenitor you know to to these these horses you know that maybe we don't even know what it is that possibly even had a couple other species come from it i don't have an issue with that the idea is that to me i see a massive amount of evolutionary complex diversity and specificity over a relatively short period of time and that to me leads me to believe that when i see these shared components like just like an example the pedactyl limb which can be used for a hoof a hand a foot a wing you know a fin anything else you know this specific type of component carried across all the creatures while some would argue well this is you know obviously something of common ancestry because they're all, they all look similar but to me the same data is just as much digestible as common design because each one of these things while looking the same have been redesigned for a very different purpose and that to me screams out intelligence function and intention so and, and the things i've seen through the abiogenesis models and well as well help confirm that for me so it's just it's just the idea of digesting kind of the collection of evidence altogether to see what's the most plausible that's all all right thanks so much for that our next question from dunning kruger says a question for both what if any falsifies your position we already kind of went through that right um, yeah, I think we kind of we kind of did that. I mean, I'd I'd give another one like I mean, I'd give a general one for a falsification of the existence of God would probably be uh, sufficient evidence for or even sufficient philosophical reasoning for the eternality of the universe. You know, that would be one of those big ones. Um, and I even know there's quite a few scientific-minded Christians who would probably say the exact same thing. All right, thanks so much for that. K. No ask if humans and octopi eyes were designed why octopi have eyes designed better than we do having optical nerves connected inside the eyeball 
and having blind spot is worse. Anyone? Uh, Bueller? I, was that I'm not sure. I think that was for Smokey. Yeah, um, I think so. I think that was for Smokey. Okay, I'm sorry. Read it one more time. I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. It says, if humans, if human and octopi eyes were designed, why octopi have eyes designed better than we do? Having optical nerves connected inside the eyeball and having blind spot is worse. Well, no, I mean, they have designs that are specifically essential um, utility for them. And that's what tells me, you know, that they're designed like our eyes would burn out if we didn't have it behind. You know, the octopus do not deal with direct sunlight like we do. So there's clearly. Yes, they do. Well, no, they well, you had said so yourself. They have a difference in terms of their structure to how they actually filter or it's just a sunlight. It's just a difference, but I mean, it's not like the optical nerve is protecting our photoreceptors. It's just the the light yeah, passes but, but over I it. Think their structure, their specific structure, is orientated specifically for their environment. Yet it still carries the similar design. It's like saying, okay, it wouldn't be able to ever be specifically. We have the same designs as fish. No, but I, okay, but the point is, and this is what was there's our vertebrates over was that this is what was kind of danced over that I was trying to talk about. Of course, they have those similar functions they have those similar you know as you had said they were very morphologically similar but they didn't function the same way and i said superficially yes right and i said they're superficially the same and i said yeah i that that's get it i that's fine that's great because it's in a different environment clearly it's an underwater environment they're dealing with the reception of light completely different than we do so so it's going to be a different well what would be expected well so are fish a design paradigm well well, here's the thing. Fish, we have the same eye type as fish, and yet they are also underwater experiencing light. Well, they're not. So I don't but think yeah, that that's... Well, the fish are... I, yeah, the, well, again, that's another... They're in our group. We're both vertebrates. Exactly. And so I, I don't... Well, that's so I'm not I'm really saying. understanding the position on them. Well, again, that was back to my whole point. They're not even really related to the squid or the octopus or the cephalopods. Yet, again, mm. that same type of equipment with a completely different design function. That's that was part of my argument I was trying to make. All right, thanks so much for that. Um, we'll move on to our next question from me. How do we have two hundred over two hundred people watching the entire time and like eighty likes? Let's go, guys. Let's, <laughs> let's go. All they right. Don't like me, I think. They just hate me. It's okay. no, that's all right. All right. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, James Downard again, got a lot of questions, says, Converse, what works have you relied on for your understanding of eye origins? I'm guessing that's for you, Smokey. Uh, understanding of eye or Well, the understanding I have so far is that we have no understanding of – I mean we have a conjecture. We have a hypothesis. I believe I saw some paper in Nature magazine, something about a nub – in uh in some sort of you know primordial creature that turned into a ball socket that may have turned into something more complex but there's all these areas of assumptions in between and up to that point and really it's just conjecture to me 
You know, to me, the best evidence of this organ is that it is irreducibly complex, just like our series of, of systems in our body. You know, all of them are incredibly complex, incredibly essential, and all codependent. So which one evolved first? Well, they couldn't have. They all had to evolve together simultaneously. And that's one of those things when you look at them completely. Right. Uh, when you look at them together as a, as a complex system, not just individually, but actually, you know, redundance upon each other, that to me is one of those design component things that makes sense to me. Because I don't see how evolution, you know, evolves all those things separately to ultimately end up working together. And I don't know any workable natural. Except it didn't. Explain that. It didn't. All right. And we don't think that. Well, okay. If you actually look at the literature, you're, I agree with you. When you say they all evolved together, you are correct. They right. did. They didn't evolve separately. They were. It was a concert of these things together. You're absolutely correct. All right. All right. Thanks so much for that. We are almost up to a hundred likes now. Thank you. Um, but if you haven't, if you didn't like it, we don't really have enough dislikes either. So, all right. So to move on to our next question, Samuel. Pa- Sorry, we just had somebody. Uh, How subscribe. many of these questions are we doing? So many questions. <laughs> there, yo, there are yeah. a ton of questions tonight. If we um, want to, let's just be let's just be brief. We'll run through them real quick, and we'll get through like ten. Uh, at a time. Well, I mean, they keep coming. All right, it seems so, they keep coming. Uh, well, like, okay, can we cut it off in like ten minutes? Is that is that? Yeah, fair? sure. We'll do that. All right. Yeah. So we'll try okay. and get to them before that. If we just answer them real quick, okay. All right, so Samuel Powell says, Converse, who is Smoky Saint's own patron saint? Uh, I don't have one. All right, thanks so much. Marcus Aurelius says, question for Smoky: Would he agree that we don't need absolute proof to make an inductive argument? Okay, so we've already asked yes, that question. Yep. Yes, we don't need absolute proof for an inductive argument. Yeah, 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 okay. we're good. Uh, for Smoky, describe, well, nope, I think we've already been through that one too. Let's see. All right. K. No says, if life is designed and human is special, why not make a protostome? It would make it obvious that humans are not a result of evolution but creation. It was not obvious that we're a result of that at all. We can't even decide ultimately in the biological community whether we came from Neanderthals or Neanderthals came from us. I mean, neither. I, we share a common ancestor. Well, well, we have that, the genome. Well, by the way, Jackson, I think that's one of those things that's on the table of debate. I'm right familiar now. with the literature in this regard. Well, I spoke with Erica on this debate topic. Maybe you should discuss that with her because and she, she agrees with me. Well, we're not descended from Neanderthals. No. And if we don't know, then we should not be making the type of assumptions we are about The that. evidence is largely in favor of us not being descended from them and them not That's being descended from us, but us sharing common ancestry. Assumption. That's your pure assumption. I'm sorry. All right. Thanks so much for that. I encourage you to look at the literature. I, there's, there's literature on both sides. Which literature would you want me to look at? I've, I've seen stuff on both sides. What do you want? Do a survey. Do well, a you, survey of the literature. Oh, and take consensus? Yeah, sure. Why not? No, see what the see what the evidence is in favor of one. See what the evidence is in favor of the other. I judge things based on arguments, not consensus. I don't. That's what I just said. I just said, I see what the evidence is for one side, and see what the evidence I, I is for the other side. I did, and I just I just elaborated that. Anyway, let's move on. We're wasting time. Let's move on. You have looked at the literature on both sides. All right. On both. And there's good arguments on both sides. You get to choose arbitrarily which one you want. Don't tell me which one I have to choose. 
That's not on you. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's go. All right. Thanks so much for that. A $1 super chat from none other I'm, than no, I'm trying Brenda. to keep current with the literature. All right. Thanks so much for that. Brenda, thanks for your super chat. Uh, we will move on to our next question. Dave Gar statement for Smokey that he will like. I made mystique, mesquite tea yesterday by soaking my chunks overnight. Not sure what that means. But... Oh, it's outstanding. He probably put his mesquite uh, chips inside the water to soak them overnight because I told him to do that for his uh, for his brisket. He All was right. making. I turned out awesome, bro. Iron Charioteer, thanks so much. Says, ask Smokey, has he been to the Ark Park? Or Dino, <laughs> or Dino Adventureland yet? You know what? I was only in Kentucky briefly for a very very unpleasant stay, and I had thought about it, but no, I did not. I did not go see the park. I, I personally mm. don't think it's. Oh man, I'm going to get in so much trouble for saying this. I don't think that the Ark Park is doing the witness of Christianity a lot of Christians these days. All right, thanks so much for that. Iron Charioteer says again, E. Norma Stitz has proven that human growth hormone proves evolution. Are you aware? Which which one? Pretty sure there are different growth human growth hormones. All right. Thanks so much. I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree necessarily. I'm just saying more specific, I guess. Brenda, uh, Okay, thanks so much for that. Brenda had a $1 super chat. It did not send the question. But, Brenda, if you just tag me, I will ask your question. No problem. I guarantee it was most likely something hateful, if it's the same Brenda I'm thinking of. All right, we'll see. I'd be patiently waiting for that. <laughs> All right, Amy Newman, thanks so much for your question for Smokey on the subject of how animals came about how did god create each separate animal and their differences is this process repeatable within science uh that particular process wouldn't be and neither would it be on the naturalistic side it's one of the things that we have to deal with in terms of inductive or abductive reasoning and we just need to operate off of reasonable models that make the most sense that's really the only thing any of us can do and this is why we do these debates to challenge each other and see those types of probabilities and reasons all right, thanks so much for that. Brenda tagged Modern Day Debate with her question. Let me just find it here. Uh, i just seen it come in. All right, there it is. By what criteria do you use to distinguish design from non-design? Um, that's a weird question. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the specificity and complexity running contrary to the laws of entropy and the tendency of things to not fall into order but to go into disorder um, leads me to believe that there is a sign of some type of intelligence. So when I come across something very complex and specific that operates like it's been, you know, attuned, coded, and, you know, manifested by intelligence, yeah, I'm going to draw that conclusion. That's just reasonable to me. All right, thank you for that. Our next question from we only have a couple more left. Alex Gordon says question for Smokey. Smokey, you had a really productive and interesting debate with Jackson tonight. Why did Skyler and T Jump get such a seething such a seething Smokey while Jackson got a charmer? Um, well because they're very dishonest people. <laughs> 
and they're very dishonest debaters and it's sad that most of their followers can't notice it. You know, Skyler has a tendency to finish people's answers for them because he only has the intellectual capacity to handle straw men. And then he gets to Q&A and he doesn't even allow you to answer your own questions. He has to jump in at the end and finish answering them for you. So he's just a very rude, volatile, petty, nonsensical little man. And T-Jump just says things that make no sense at all. Like that the universe can emerge from basically what, I mean, no, he said life could emerge with no universe at all. Once you're willing to say such ridiculous, stupid things like that, yeah, you're going to basically get classified as a clown in my book. All right. So thanks so much for those burns. Yeah, it's kind of wacky. We had a $2 A or a two A's come in from General E. Shady. Sorry. I'm just now getting to that. Creation, in quotations, my holy book says evolution equals evidence. Yeah, that I don't even know what to do with that. That's just yeah. The the, the hillbilly hick. That wasn't even a statement. Next. Really so yeah, that, that, yeah. Try good. Try to be clever. That's great. Lovely. All right, we have like three more questions. Oh my gosh, you just said two like two ago. Like really? I said a few more. All right. General Balzac says <laughs> I had to dislike because I found out. Okay, so that was just a comment about. Okay. Oh, was it offensive? Go ahead and read it. No, no, no. It's just he says I had to dislike because I found out about the prerequisites for liking. So, uh, but as he, <laughs> yeah, being a good person. All right. Mitchell uh, says, was Galileo included in the consensus of his time? I don't know. Was he? Uh, uh, no, he wasn't. No. There All right. Like lots of, there are lots of myths about about uh, yeah, that no, whole event. Definitely, definitely, last, definitely. Last question. Iron Charioteer asks, ask Moki why does he get so upset and rude with people once they go against the echo chamber, echo chamber circle jerk on your channel? We've already been over this one. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. These guys are just so, you know, you guys are so triggered and I don't understand. You know, I do open mics every week. I, I have it where you guys can come in, challenge me, ask questions, even be the vitriolic, nonsensical clowns that you want to be. You can come and do any of it, and I will put you in your place. But instead, you want to come in and make noise and side chat, and I have no respect for people like that. People need to be able to stand behind what they say and defend their points. And if you can't do it, you're just nonsensical noise, and I can disregard you for the irrelevant garbage you are. Awesome. There you go. Fair enough. We're at the end of the debate. Thank you so much for everybody that was in the chat for coming out. Everybody that's going to watch this afterwards, thank you for hitting that like button because I know you're going to. New subscribers, hit that subscribe button, and we will be coming up with some great material in the next few weeks. It keeps getting better as time goes on. I also want to thank the contenders, Jackson and Smokey, was a very calm and collected conversation i think a lot of people probably learned a lot tonight and thank you deanna rosewater for subscribing just now and with that i just want to lastly say um if there's anything that you want to see on the channel or you want to be a debater on the channel please send me an email at conversecontender at gmail.com uh, because James is in his doctorate program right now. He's being so uh, overwhelmed with emails. So please send those over to me. And uh, everybody uh, make sure and send uh, James uh, uh, some flowers or something 
on uh, on Twitter to uh, thank him for all he does. All right. Thanks so much for everybody being here. And uh, as usual, keep sifting the reasonable from the unreasonable. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.